and welcome to the quarter three movie podcast of the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here as I'm joined here ever here by Kelly Wand. Hi. Kelly Wand. I like that song a lot. It really takes me back. It takes it's me back to you. <laughs> Kelly Wand. What? Do you, do you have a podcast for the Fifty Shades of Grey movie that we saw this week? It's like Twilight, except this title refers to multiple sky colors. <laughs> Complicated, huh? Yeah, just like That's you. It's gonna be yeah. Just like you, the the man, the man who actually suggested and I did recommended, yeah. not only suggested and recommended, but lobbied that we see Fifty Shades of Grey this week. Yeah, after going, you are after getting us out of Hobbit. This is how I repay. You are a many-hued man. But you know what? There was no pushback. Like, like it was. It was basically a hundred to zero. Just like Tom's wrongness on Dwight Howard versus. Wait, 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 did you say there's no there was no pushback? Well, except from you. <laughs> except Which, from you. Yeah. Well, that's basically okay. It was all you, but versus the world, planet Earth, all wanted to hear. Which is kind of weird. You it's totally weird. I expected a lot of people to be like, come on, you guys, see something that we want. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, we can't wait. Blah, blah. Ha ha, ding. And they meant it. Well, see, that's what happened. You sounded so enraged, and that t- that set them off, I think. That's like an aphrodisiac. <laughs> You're sort of the <laughs> Anastasia Steele that's getting broken in. It's just Anna. Just call me Anna, honestly. Did she say that? <laughs> Seems like forever ago since I saw it. When did you actually? When did when did you go to see? I mean, the first time you saw it. I saw it pre Valentine's Day. Pre? Yeah. Why didn't you go on Valentine's Day? Mm, scared. All right. Fair enough. That's just when, because I wanted to really, you know, I needed bleed time for my dissertation. Right. You saw. So you, you saw it pre. I saw it post. Right. You saw it after basically everyone had seen it. Right, I think, but you didn't. You saw it yesterday. I saw it Sunday. I saw it Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So between President's Day and Valentine's Day. Right. That's known as Fifty Shades of Grey Day. Right. See. Grey Day. In the future, it'll be known as Grey Day. Was it crowded? (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's not the answer I was expecting. Uh, Yes, it was. See, because I saw it like in the afternoon, but then when I came out, there was like a line around the corner. Like I saw it with kind of crickets. Oh. Like, it's not right before. I go went a little early. Uh, I bought tickets online for it five hours before the showing, um, and it's a reserved reserved ticket seating. Oh, you went to um, <laughs> no, no, no. The uh, you know normally I love to go to ArcLight, but it's a little farther away. Um, but my my area theater now does reserved uh, ticket seating now, and they have these huge recliner seats, which are just ridiculous and wonderful. <laughs> um, 
perfect but, for this. But when I went on to buy that, buy them, all the middle seats were gone except for like a couple of really good seats. I mean, and I was like, oh my god, what, what the heck's going on here? No it's, middle for you, dingus. Yeah. So I mean, I got a, I got a couple of really good seats, but good lord. That's because gray is the middle color between black and white. I never wanted to be in the gray section of the seats. Wow. Deep. Wand. But remind, wait. remind me again of what your tagline was for this movie. Uh, it's like Twilight, except this title refers to multiple sky colors. All right, good. Fair enough. Um, I want to hear more about your viewing experience, but I don't, I don't know if we do. We want to do that yet, or do no? We I get think our number crunching out of the way. I think we should get that get into that a little bit later. Yeah, to be honest. Um, in the meantime, Kelly, uh, every week you uh, you read an IMDb synopsis. <laughs> and hope that we, me and the listening audience, can guess it. Um, yeah, I don't hope that. Sometimes you pick something that is uh, a listener submission. Sometimes you pick something that relates to the movie we just saw. Do you have an IMDb synopsis for us this week? Yeah, but you're not going to get it. All right, that's okay. I don't mind not getting that's it. That's your hint. And I don't always get things. When Anastasia Steele... <laughs> Stop it. This is the one on IMDb, not mine. All right, go ahead. This is IMDb's take on it. Right. This is what this is fan fiction <laughs> for it. When and as opposed to what I did. When Anastasia Steele, a literature student, goes to interview the wealthy Christian Gray as a favor to her roommate, Kate Cavanaugh. Oh God. Yeah, I know. You, see, that's why I wanted to read it. The and name. Kate Cavanaugh. Her last name. She encounters a beautiful, brilliant, and intimidating man. No commas. The innocent and naive Anna started to realize she wants him, despite his enigmatic reserve and advice. Comma. She finds herself desperate to get close to him. Still there? Yeah, I'm. It's almost over. Not able to resist Anna's beauty and independent spirit, Christian Gray admits he wants her to, but in his own terms. Anna hesitates. As she <laughs> wait, wait. In his own terms? But in his own terms. All right. He admits he wants her to. But in his own terms. <laughs> By the way, E.L. Johnson, Dr. O. What's her name? Who wrote this fucking book? E.L. James. Thank you, Dinkus, for helping. You're welcome. Anna hesitates. You're not going to promote her by saying the name? Uh, I will in a moment. So, but, okay. uh, yeah. Dinkus, we got a champion feminist literature. All right. I will be Get happy to, to do that, that, but not for this movie. <laughs> Anna hesitates as she discovers the singular tastes of Christian Grey. Despite the embellishments of success, what? his international businesses, his vast wealth, his loving family, Grey is consumed by the need to control everything. Uh, I didn't remember there, he had a sister character in the movie right after I saw the movie. I was told that. Yeah, he did. And one of the wonderful things is wondering what is the ethnicity here, and then understanding that oh, they must all be adopted. But we don't see the maid. Never mind. I'm even already feeling dumb. Well, get ready to feel dumber. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, what Kelly just told us is what I was going to tell you as well. Um, no spoilers yet. Uh, I don't think you what? can spoil this movie. I just spoiled everything. <laughs> I know you did. Um, 
We haven't gotten to the actual Opsis, and we don't even know what it's going to be called yet. But uh, just letting you know that this week we saw the uh, movie Fifty Shades of Grey, a 2015 American book club movie about how Hardy trumps Jane Austen. Uh, It was directed by Sam Taylor Johnson (laughs) and written by Kelly Marcel, based on a novel by E.L. James. Oh, right. Yes. All women. Yeah, all, all this is all women, all it's women like all the time. Yeah. Filmmaking. And E.L. James is also was uh, was actually born Erica Mitchell, just so you know. But she goes by E.L. James in her novel. What was the E, Erica? Yeah, apparently. Uh, it stars Dakota Johnson, Jennifer Ailey. Uh, oh yeah. Or Wait, what? Jennifer Ailey. Yeah, she she plays the sister. No, no, she's the mom. Oh, yeah. She's Dakota Johnson's mom. Okay, that chick I kept track of. Oh, yeah, you kept track of her. She's from mom 30. Mom is aware of. She's from Zero Dark 30. Come on now. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. But All she's right. also from. I prefer to see, think of her as from Contagion. Okay, fair enough. She saves the role projecting her ass and then going, Dad, you taught me how to do that. Uh, it also stars Eloise Mumford, who plays Kate Kavanaugh. Mm, I liked her actually. Uh, I did too. I thought she was really. She had an interesting face and she did really interesting things. Uh, and also star, stars Luke Grimes, uh, the guy from Walking Dead. Oh, good lord! I wouldn't even know that if you threw it in my face. Luke Grimes the, is he the brother or is he the friend? Yeah, Luke Grimes is. Is I think his name is Elliot, the brother. He's, He's really like, important. He's also in a, 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 a movie I really, really love called All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Oh, Amber Heard. Yeah. And if you want to see a movie that truly understands uh, female empowerment, then watch All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, uh, which Luke Grimes is in. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and this I got to tell you, Fifty Shades of Grey is rated R, and this is one of my favorite breakdowns of yeah. a rating of all time. There's- <laughs> this is so pleasurable. Okay, I think I've heard this. Let me tell you. It's, it's uh, <laughs> I like it too. Fifty Shades of Grey is rated R for strong sexual content, including dialogue, <laughs> some unusual dialogue. behavior. They actually. Wait, that's my favorite one. You just glossed over it. Some unusual behavior. I didn't gloss over it. You you talked over it. So I want uh, to again. I want to think about it. It's rated R for strong sexual content, including dialogue, some unusual behavior, and graphic nudity. <laughs> Wait, okay. and for language. So the MPAA lists lists their rating. Their rating for this movie. The MPAA has the audacity to rate this movie R for some unusual behavior. Yeah. Now, what the fuck do you think they're talking about when they talk about some unusual behavior? The missionary position when he did oh, sir. good lord. I mean, could that they unusual. be the worst group of people to rate movies Yeah. in the world? But now that's making me like them. Like, now it's funny to me. Yeah, they're funny if they're being funny, but rating this movie R for some unusual behavior, that is utterly – oh my god, what are you talking about? See, 
There's unusual behavior in a movie where robots become cars. I mean, honestly, are you stupid? Some unusual behavior. You should see usual behavior. That's what kids movies. God. Rated R for some unusual behavior. I mean, there's a lot of things that I will rail against, but good lord, people, will you wake the fuck up? Well, I like it where they always go some, too. I, oh, I, I'm with you on that. But some unusual behavior. Unusual is a very strange word. It's a. It's a. It sounds McCarthyian, McCarthyesque. It, it 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 belies the sort of this. It it gives the sense that they have no idea what the content of the movie is actually about, and they and they haven't bothered to figure out what the movie is actually trying to say. But in their defense, think, no one does. I think they might. Well, I, I think that I think that well, we'll get into this later. But I think that everybody gets it wrong. But this uh, is why I think we shouldn't have movie ratings. Which to me, it's like it affects content, and like you, the like I lose more than you gain from it. Uh, as a parent, no. Any rating system. Uh, I I I value the rating system as a concept. I just think that the people who are doing it are the wrong people to be doing it. They're they, not. They're they're people from the community. It's like having a jury of your peers, but not, but not a jury of your peers. And they make shitloads of money, and no one, and they have anonymous identities. I, I just don't understand that rating. Some unusual content. What is is uh, is is being kinky that unusual that you have to label it as some unusual content as opposed to like a rape in a movie being some unusual content? I just don't understand why that some unusual content that makes no sense to me. They just don't know what words mean. I think yeah, I think you're absolutely but right. They didn't used to do that. They didn't like this is a new thing that we're enjoying now, but I don't remember when I like they never used to explain oh, ratings. You're absolutely right. I thoroughly enjoy their their bastard. Yeah, now they're bragging like See, yeah. yeah. Here's transparency for you. And maybe they just podcast and they they listen to our podcast and they're like, we're going to throw in uh, partial nudity involving water and see if they write, see if they read it out loud. Oh, or, well, they're proud of their work. Uh, rated R for milk on top of a nipple. I mean, who knows what they're. But that's how arbitrary it always was. Like Raging Bull was like, okay, you can say fuck once, but not twice. Oh, well, well they, you can happen. never say fuck more than once. And we've already done it twice now. All right, so let's move on to the numbers. So now I, w- I won't explain why we have a number in any of these numbers because numbers are never explained in the title of this movie, so I bother. Um, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive. Fifty Shades of Grey has 26%. That seems high. Uh, it's higher than last week's movie, I believe. Think yeah. Twenty. Fuck. See. Um, the Do you top critics, either of those. Top critics chose twenty thirty three, and the audience was fifty percent. Fifty percent women. Fifty percent guys dragged along with them. Oh, not in my theater, my friend. I know it was all chicks, huh? Uh, it's, yeah. It's in fact, so the bad. person I went with went looked and said, "I think you're the only dude in here." <laughs> and I, I said, felt lonely. I'll tell you that. I said, "I think I'm going to have a lot of work to do." So, uh, on uh, Metacritic, the average ratings from various reviews is a 47. Uh, so, on Box Office, Kelly Wand, number one movie of the week was Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh-huh. And Fifty Shades of Grey made $94 million. Broke records. 
94 million, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, number two is Kingsman, which made 42 million. And number three is SpongeBob, which made 40 million, which means, I, you know, I, I haven't looked at what the actual, I, I haven't read, I didn't have time to read how this week uh, factors out, but good lord, this is a better week than last week. My gosh, by, by orders of magnitude. 94, 42, and 40, that's a great week. Yeah, Kingsman's the surprising one to me because I would have thought it would have gotten crushed. Uh, I think dudes would see three. it. Maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah, so. maybe maybe like everybody went to the theaters and like, hey, you go see Fifty Shades. I'm going to see Kingsman because there was nothing else to see this week. Uh, I mean, you could, there's something you can take a kid to, something you can take a man to, something you can take a woman to. I mean, it's just like well, look what for those three dominated. What women? Did you use that word on purpose? No. <laughs> All right. I did. Uh, but I, I think it's a, a pretty impressive uh, box office week. I, I haven't looked at the numbers for previous years, but for a, uh, for in the middle of February, a ninety four forty two forty week, that's pretty damn good. It's a holiday, and it was really hot in LA. And, and even uh, no matter how I feel about the movie, see, I always like it when the movie when movies. yeah when people see movies and when movies are making money. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, moving away from the, the box office now, we're going into spoiler territory. Um, I have no idea what you're going to call this. All I'm going to say is that Mr. Wand will upsize you now. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of two things. They were both good for different reasons. But I went with Fifty Shades of Gropsus. Yes, sir. We look at some ties while a chick sings, and words say musical fan fiction by Danny Elfman. <laughs> Why is he? Go ahead. I don't know. I'm already. I didn't understand that. I'm There's already... a lot of things I don't get. Yeah, I'm already <laughs> ready to, to light in the. Okay, go ahead. I apologize. I'm going to shut up now. Go ahead. Since the filmmakers needed to make trims to get an R rating. There's only 38 ties. <laughs> Anastasia steals brains all. They say you never forget the first time you're a college senior, but I don't believe that. By the way, I think this is Portland I live in, although I go to school in Vancouver and this movie takes place in Seattle, but we shot the rain exteriors in L.A. <laughs> That's from the book, by the way. Davis. What? I don't know. I didn't read that fucking thing. Inside a Cinderella-like apartment. Wait, I know we're roommates, but you want me to read a bunch of questions to a billionaire for the school newspaper because you don't feel good? Can't you just email him or just reschedule the interview? Doesn't the school paper have other reporters? Am I a reporter? Shouldn't I tape the interview or take notes or anything? The roommate slams the door in her face. Anastasia takes the bus to her Volkswagen then drives it over a bridge to Seattle while the same music replays. <laughs> you like that, Dingus? Yes. Curious? Because it leads to one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, I don't think I had... Uh, anyway, Christian Grey's workplace is called Grey House. <laughs> <laughs> he works in a building with his name on it. What do they call the uh, garden area behind Grey House? Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> what do they call Tom's favorite submarine movie from the nineteen seventies? What do they call my favorite wolf movie and your least favorite? Ah, ah, damn it! You win. Fuck. 
His actual residence is an apartment. The function of his multi-billion dollar business doesn't seem to have been covered in E.L. James' <laughs> sexual fantasies. <laughs> but from what we see in the movie, it's importing occasional phone calls. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Since Greyhouse doesn't have a parking structure, Anastasia has to park across the street. No, she has to park directly in front of it every time. Yeah, I know. So we can see the words on it. Yeah. That seems like something he'd do, though. Like, yep, no parking structure. They will park across the street and look at the words. How does she get a good parking? She gets the perfect parking spot every time in her fucking beetle. Even after the relationship peats up, he doesn't get better parking. No contract for that bitch. Anyway, her voiceover's all, Then I park the car. I look over at the masturbating housewife next to me and go, Hey, Mom. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> they sure bowlerized this car parking scene. Granted, I didn't read the books. I turn to repeat this to Dingus on my other side, but he's already turned to stone. Mm-hmm. Clamorous elevator doors creak open near Anastasia's face. A receptionist is all. You must be your roommate. No form of verification is necessary. Edward, I mean, Mr. Shades will look at you now. He prefers no eye contact, so here's a piece of cardboard. But don't look at the actual shadow. He hates that. Another receptionist is all. Yes. Anastasia is all. You want me to walk into an office? I'm so flustered. I stammer. I mean, I stutter. What's going on? I'm an English major. Eventually, she goes in. As she comes through the door, she trips off screen. She staggers back to her feet and brushes herself off. She's all, I'm fine. He doesn't say anything. She starts to sit down in the chair, but trips again. Oh, sorry, I'm not used to office floors. He doesn't say anything. She sits down slowly. They stare at each other. He's all, one of your eyes popped out when you fell. It seems to have rolled onto my desk. Yikes, this is so embarrassing. Please allow me, and here, some tape. Oh, you're so... I don't know. Please, I only have time for two <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christian Grey, Dingus. I was last minute replacement for Charlie Dornan. Don't expect that. You're so, I don't know. (laughs) That's from the book. (laughs) I only have time for two questions. Please, I find school newspapers repugnant. Nevertheless, I'm delivering the commencement speech at your university in two days, although my alma mater was Dominguez Hills. All right, well, I'm just going to read these questions my roommate wrote down. Uh, What's Africa? It's a small business. Fuck, I forgot a pencil. There are six in a row here on my desk. Use a different one for each question. I'm quite wealthy. Mm. Mm. So what's your name? It's for the article. I mean, my roommate's writing, unless she gets six again. Fuck! (laughs) I can't outact those people. Unless my roommate gets sick again, in which case I'll write it. The family name was originally Tope. I changed it to Milk Toast and a few other things, but eventually to whatever it is now. It is a funny story. Oh, tell me. That was it. I confess I find your timidity, clumsiness, ignorance, and poor grooming habits intoxicating. 
You will have dinner prepared aboard a helicopter with me this evening. But be warned, I don't do dinners. His voice is warm and husky like dark melted chocolate fudge caramel or something. Oh shit, did I think that out loud? It's from one of my favorite books. John's from the book, Dingus. No, I did not. Oh, an English major. You must only like one author. Which one was it? Jane Austen? D.H. Lawrence? Thomas Hardy? Oh, Thomas Hardy. I loved him in Dark Knight Rises. At that football game, it's like he was speaking for all of us. In my opinion, self-published fan fiction is the only true literature. Okay, well, next question written down is... Sorry, I have trouble reading typewritten. Are you blind? I mean, gay! (laughs) Would a gay man find you attractive? I highly doubt it. (gasps) Is he getting hot in here all of a sudden, or what? Yes, I find abrupt changes in temperature. Noticeable. Well, I think I have everything I need here for my article. Blind, no comment... Okay, question mark. Uh, how do you spell? Question mark is spelled with a K. A very hard K. My goodness, is there anything you don't know? You should become an intern here. It is unpaid and there will be considerable sexual harassment. Page one, it is the shortest contract I offer. An internship? <laughs> me? I never fit in here. Look at me. I don't even own a hairbrush. I wish to braid it. I like control in all things. That must get boring. You're boring to me. Let's see what other questions did my roommate. What would you wear to a children's birthday party in Arizona? A suit. Hard for me to picture you wearing a suit. I would leave my clothes off, perhaps. My birthday suit. He squeezes his desk affectionately. Hang on, I'm writing too slow doesn't like birthdays perfect well i have to go somewhere let's not say goodbye till the elevator doors close though it'll be more suspenseful another receptionist comes in and goes mr shades will stop seeing you now as the elevator doors close christian gray nods and goes shades she starts to reply but the doors eventually close later in the apartment and then we bumped heads like ten times, both crawling around under his desk looking for my eyeball. See, that's his shoe print on my retina here. Wait, actually, I think it was the other eye. Her roommate smirks. It does look different. By the way, he emailed me the answers to all my questions. So you went there for nothing. A lot of them were no comment. Anastasia's all. Had to think my fantasies used to be about Channing Tatum as an alien wolfman with wings and magic boots who turns visible in the middle of my ovary operation. Boy, have I traded up. Hey, wait a second. I thought you had stomach flu. The roommate's all, nope, thanks for the sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) She recovers astoundingly quickly. (laughs) First of all, she never looks sick. She's like, she's movie sick where they're like, oh, I've got a Kleenex in my hand. And then right after that, she's like, I'm going to eat a sandwich. But was the joke that she wasn't really sick? Or was the joke like, oh, I'm so well, I'm, I'm going to eat your sandwich? No, it's, a, it's, it's, not a, it's not a joke. It's just a meet-cute you know, setup. It's, it doesn't matter. The movie doesn't care about it. They want her to be cute, beautiful the whole time. Which one? Kate. Kate Kavanaugh. Oh. 
Anastasia looks at a thermometer and goes, holy shit, I'm late for my job at the hardware store. She puts on her safety goggles and drives to Osh. An hour into her shift, she gets on the PA and shouts, oh yeah, somebody wanted to know a few weeks ago if we carry wrenches. I don't think he works here. Her voice trails off as she catches a whiff of money on aisle 12. She tiptoes towards it and hears a familiar chocolate brownie chip voice droning. I also require a chainsaw, a pineapple, several gerbils, a bear suit, and a gerbil suit. XL on the gerbil suit, aside from the crotch area, and all items on hangers except for the suits. Ah, Anastasia, I assumed you worked here. Perhaps you would care to... He licks his nose seductively. Service my tool needs... Okay, well, we have a blonde guy who does my actual work. One second. Ten minutes later, she's sweatily carrying an armload of mouse traps, lug nuts, and roach motels to his limo in the pouring rain. She's all, oh, we have carts for this, by the way. I don't do carts. I prefer total control, whether it's playing my piano or flying my helicopter. Well, you have a chauffeur. Isn't that a little inconsistent? Easy with that duct tape. Jesus. Here's my trunk key. Place the items within. Close enough. Ordinarily, I conclude hardware flirtation with a funereal laters, baby, but because I find my feelings for you complex, I hereby bid you wake on home slice. Later in the apartment. And then he said some words, and then he ordered his driver to peel out from the curb, spraying me with mud. It was like something right out of a movie based on a fairy tale about a postcard. The roommates all, wow, I'm not jealous at all. Now let's go get shit-faced. We graduate tomorrow from Vancouver. They go to a bar. The second they get inside, she drinks nine Mai Tais simultaneously, gets the contact info for local billionaires, borrows her roommate's phone, and dials Christian Gray. He answers midway through the 18th ring. Shades? She's all, you know what? She throws up all over the phone. Anastasia, you have imbibed alcohol. I am enraged and gorged. Oh, yeah? Well, guess what? I'm an interesting person. I have (laughs) interesting things to say. Okay? I'm believable. I don't need a man. Come save me. I'm a fleshed out feminist icon, empowered. She hangs up, splatting her roommate with flecks of vomit and hands the phone back to her. The roommate's all, I'm so happy for you. My entire identity is this knowing smile. The phone rings again. Anastasia sees it shades calling. She picks up and vomits all over it again. Anastasia, I've located which bar you are throwing up near. I probably could have just told you this when I arrive. He hangs up. The roommate takes the phone back and goes, Wow, no, you guys have more chemistry than I'll ever have with anybody. By the way, this is Christian Gray's brother. He's moving in with us. The brother puts his arm around the roommate and goes, I just want my brother and you to be happy, Anastasia. My name's Earl, by the way. Dingus. Over here. <laughs> so my full name's... Anastasia staggers outside, throws up on a dozen passersby, one by one. Her sober Mexican friends all, Hey, Anastasia, listen, I really felt something between us today at that photo shoot for the billionaire you were staring at that whole time. I told myself... Then I'd tell you that tonight that I was going to kiss you, but then instead of kissing you, I'd just wait here and wait. Christian Gray walks on screen and shoves the Mexican guy in Anastasia's roommate, overturning a table. He's all, she said no. (laughs) (laughs) 
excerpt from the uh, novel, I can almost hear his sphinx-like smile through the phone. What? Yep. That's a re- that's a real one. How did you do that? Uh, I read. I just like did like a phone book, like picked a random line. All right. Good. I like that. I like that very much. And I read the whole book that way. Okay. It was like Julio Cortazar's Hopscotch. I'm pretty sure that's that was how it was distributed. Uh, on phone books on your on your porch. It's how everything was done, involving the book and the movie. Okay. <laughs> Anastasia wakes up in a hotel room to find Christian Grey staring at her. She's all, "Where? Why, why am I?" He's all, "A hotel. I force fed you some breakfast. Now I'm going to shower." He sexily slurps the oatmeal from her armpit and disappears. The door opens. Her naked roommate and Gray's brother come in nakedly. <laughs> the roommate's all, looks like you two are pretty serious. She's <laughs> better <laughs> than me. Damn it! The brother's all. <laughs> Wait, who said that? The roommate? Never mind. The brother's, I've never seen him so emotive. Here, we got you guys this. He hands her a congratulations card that says, You two have something special. We're not sure what, but sign your roommate and the brother. The next day, she comes to his work so they can ride in an elevator together, because it reminds her of the time they first met the day before. They stare at each other in the elevator. Then just as the doors open, he kisses her. Uh. The guy's... (laughs) Wait, you remember that? It's like drive, dingus. Yeah, okay, if only. The guy's... If only... The rich man's drive. The guys waiting on the other side are all. Mm, she looks rumpled. Let's not get in the elevator after all. When she gets home, her roommate's all. Oh look, you got a box in the mail. That's never happened before. Anastasia opens it and stares with her usual face at the books inside. The roommate's all. Fifty Shades of Grey. Ninetieth edition. She opens it and reads the inscription. Dear Anastasia, Blockbuster threw out all their unsold Dark Knight Rises DVDs. I don't do romance, but here. Your heart is like a page of text to me. Your vagina like these stickers that say 30% off. Affectionately shades. P.S. I bought a Kindle too, but kept it for myself. Also, I'm in a helicopter outside. Fly to Seattle with me. I think I live there. She heads outside and gets into the helicopter. He puts on a headset and goes... Charlie Tango to Echo Base. Move your infantry up to Sector Delta, over. <laughs> His driver's tired voice is all, Oh, yeah, Mr. Gray. Copying over under. He takes her to his apartment and braids her hair in a stairwell. She's all, So, are we going to make love? I don't make love. I fuck hard. The way I do everything. Hair braiding. Fist clenching. Designing crosswords, farting, ceramics, going flaccid. I'm a man with needs, Anastasia. Hard needs of average length, but very, very thick at the base. Some spittle appears on his lip. Now come. No, I mean follow me to the playroom. (laughs) See, Dingus? He twisted it. He opens a door, revealing a room of whips and guillotines and all gray Rubik's cubes. She's all... Mm, So you want to murder me? Well, don't be even dumber. I'm not a necrophiliac anymore. Oh, you're a sadist. I'm a dominant, although we prefer to be called lion tamers. A dominant? Wait, that's an adjective. Shouldn't it be dominator? You wouldn't go, hey, I'm a sadistic. I want to fight (laughs) the dominant. 
By my eye? Wait, I'm a virgin. Oh, come on. That's even less believable than my character. <sighs> I mean, very well, your first time should be as vanilla as possible in the missionary position off-screen. Areas I've spent a lifetime mastering. He makes boring love to her. Excerpt from the book, Dingus. Oh my, sweat and body wash and Christian. It's a heady cocktail. So much better than a margarita. Now I can speak from experience. Please tell me you're making that up. No! E yelled James. E yelled James. James, James, James. That's her sex. That's not even the sex she has. That's the sex she's wishing she had. She's wishing she had margarita sex? That's her deepest fantasy. She's margarita sex? Yes. With salt? Does she want salt on her rim? You know what? It's called mommy porn, but it's like grandma porn. Good God. The next morning, Anastasia's all, look it, I made you breakfast. I don't eat with my lovers. Also, you need to sign this contract before we have good sex. Mm, Yes. Now, let's wait a week and then have a meeting in a boardroom about it. That's always been my fantasy. One week later, uh, what's a butt plug? He snaps his fingers, his violin-carrying covered trays. I took the liberty of having some prepared. I hope you like yours, partially burnt. The meeting ends with nothing signed and no one having sex. Another week slogs by. They meet at a bench. (laughs) (laughs) Subplot team just keeps going. Another week slogs by. (laughs) I mean, shades by. Oh, you promised me a burlap sack. Did you just roll your eyes at me? Huh? None of either of us changes expressions ever. What are you talking (laughs) about? What the? He drapes her over his lap and spanks her while everyone in the park walks past in disinterest. Like in Black Hat. She's all, oh, so now the contract doesn't matter. Finding inconsistencies just for that. I know you heard this scene wasn't in the movie, but he pulls out a tampon and slips it inside her and has sex with her with the tampon inside her, Dingus. Excerpt from the book. My inner goddess jumps up and down with cheerleading pom-poms, shouting yes at me. What? What are you talking about? It's from the book. My inner goddess jumps up and down with cheerleading pom-poms shouting yes at me. Cheerleading pom-poms. Not the normal kind. It's a deep fantasy. You know what? It's a spoiler. Right. Stuff. I apologize. Afterwards, he takes her to a slightly larger Volkswagen. She's all, this car seems too shitty for you. It is. I bought it for you. Uh, fuck, I forgot something. He covers her eyes with his hands, then removes them and gestures at the car. Ta-da! Seriously, no helicopter? Her phone rings. She's all, Mom? Hey, honey, sorry I couldn't make you graduation. I was having a glass of wine here. But go into detail about your romantic relationships. Well, it's all pretty vague. Well, always know that you can just come down here anytime and stay indefinitely. Wait, you could make my graduation, but... Okay, here I come. She flies to Georgia and goes to a restaurant with her mom in it. Hey, Mom, I have to tell you about this SNM billionaire I've been seeing. It's way tamer than it sounds. It's weird. I know all about it, honey. He's sitting right here at the table with me. I couldn't stay away from you another second. Not literally another second. Well, honey, it was great seeing you two for a minute. Now I'll leave you two alone. Zero curiosity about what's going on. 
mom leaves, Anastasia and Grace stare at each other. <laughs> the director shows us a plane as they fly to another runway at the Georgia airport. As they deplane, he's all, A pity we had so much time with your father. That was my mother. He buys another helicopter and gets into it. Meet me at my apartment for further conversation. As she watches him fly away, her mom and the roommate and the brother all join her on the runway. The mom sips from her wine. Well, I'll leave you guys alone, but I think the Christian Grey's way out of your league, honey. She walks off. Anastasia hitchhikes back to L.A., a block from Grey's place, as driver pulls up alongside and honks till she gets in. They drive a few feet. She's all, Belvedere, you guys seem pretty close. How is he today? The driver shrugs. She enters Gray's apartment and stands there. He's on the phone. No, the towel should be aluminum and the washcloth the same. Do I make myself clear? I doubt it. He hangs up. She's all, you're angry. I've never seen this shade of you before. So now we're at two. Yes. This movie- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. I can't. Thank, thank you so much. Good lord, thank you. Right, then this, sorry. This, yeah, this is an actual line, Diggis. Yes, this movie should be called Fifty Shades of Fucked Up. What the <laughs> fuck are we thinking? Yeah, well, we gotta give them something. They already got a helicopter ride in Foxcatcher. You know what? Just do whatever happens at the end of the book. It was a worldwide erotic phenomenon, so it should have the best money shot ever. He takes her into the playroom and goes, There, I spanked you six times off screen. It didn't help my mood. Suddenly, I don't like it. We're breaking up. Uh, wait, what do you think was going to happen here? Why don't you just use the safe word? He reaches for her hair braid. She's all, no! Ah, your favorite Tom Hardy line from Dark Knight Rises. I shall never be able to enjoy that scene again the same way without thinking of you. As the elevator doors close between them, he's all, my apartment has an elevator? She says something back, but it's too muffled to hear. I look over at the Dingus statue and go, by the way, there's two more of these. The end. There's two more Dingus statues? <sighs> there's you know, not gonna read, be, they, there can't be two more of these fucking movies. Are you kidding me? I read what happens and it's lame, lame, lame. And you know what? I feel bad for women. Uh, well, explain what you mean by that. This is a bad movie, and it's bad porn, and they don't get any movies like this, and that's why this is a big, huge blockbuster. Is because they don't have anything better. It's like they just don't have any good movies. That's not like, true. That is absolutely not true. There's a, there's, a, there's a fuck ton of good movies for women. They're just not going to see them. Which ones? Uh, well, we can talk about this later on. We go to Over Under and One Night. But there's a All there's right. a fuck ton of good movies for women. You know what though? Okay, like. All right, so so these three women made this movie or were empowered were allowed to make this movie. It's all, you know, it's it's a, a a female director, a female screenwriter based on a novel by a woman. Um, that doesn't mean that every movie that I, that I see made by a man is a movie for me. Um, most of the movies I see are, are shit, and most of them are made by men. So it serves to reason that a certain percentage of movies made by women are going to be crap to other women and other men, too. Wait, wait. I'm talking about erotic movies for women. Like uh, girl porn. Well, what's erotic movies for you? What are erotic 
movies. Okay, for- here's my point. It's like Sharon Stone movies, like her and her prime, like she was super committed in like Basic Instinct, and even in like in all of her movies, like she was what I think he's supposed to be. Like she's just really full in. But these two actors have no interest in doing this. They have no They're interest in each like, other, and they have no interest. They have in way no interest in each other. That is absolutely true. But but as far as erotic so movies know. for women, I other than I, I don't know what you mean by that because there's no like erotic movies for men genre. So I don't know what you're talking about. That's weird. Well, that's the thing. It's like Sharon Stone movies were erotic mainstream movies. She me. was she had she had a certain eroticism in Basic Instinct. Well, but other than that, she's a sexy actress, and there's sexy men in movies. But there's no erotic no. movies for men, other than like what? No, basic instinct. Porn is what I'm like. No, no, no it's, okay. That's what I'm saying. It's like basic instinct was kind of like mainstream porn, sort of. Like that's what I think this was, this should have been. But it's got like murders and shit in it. Like nothing happens in this movie, and there's no sex in it hardly at all. And what is is really tame, and it's not about any. It's oh, not there's about, a. There's plenty yeah. of sex in it. It's just not sexy. I no, mean, that's, that's why you don't notice it. I mean, they're trying. They're trying really hard, but it's not it's sexy. Fine. There's not. There's not a. There's not a damn thing that's sexy about this movie. No, I know. And but it's like they don't come across like they're really, like you said, they're into each other. That I think would have made a big difference. Like they just were like, Ugh. they seem very interested in getting across that they don't like these characters or the movie. Which well, is understandable, and I get, and that's something that made me like them. And no, it's like, not understandable. Why would you say that? Why? What do you mean it's understandable? Well, because it's not good. But it's like they didn't like, they didn't go, like compared to the like. If you think about Dan Stevens and the guest, yeah, like, he's just like he's going all in. Like that's who I think. That's the level of intensity that the Christian Grey is supposed to have. He's supposed to be like that. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Kelly Wan. That is an awesome point. That is a fucking awesome point. God damn it, Kelly Wan, you just solved this fucking movie. I know. Jesus, you just solved the movie. And I didn't (laughs) even know. You just solved the movie. All we had to do was have Dan... God, all we had to do was have him play that part. Jesus. Oh, my God. How did you just fucking do that? Because it's not that hard. It's just no. It's not it. that hard, and it's and it's a basic. It's a basic tenet of what you have to do uh, if you're an actor. And 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 I do not excuse uh, whatever his name is. And I, I, I haven't didn't even bother to look up his name. Jamie Dorman. Is that his name? Fuck him. Um, I, I do not excuse him if he doesn't like the. Who cares if he doesn't like the part? Right. I mean, so it's, I it's, it's a basic. I, it's a basic tenet of acting. Exactly. And I think this goes back to like Lawrence uh, Olivier, like asking, uh, asking another actor, "I don't, I don't really like Richard the Third. What do I do?" It doesn't matter if you don't like him. If you don't like him, you can't play him. If yeah, you don't like the character, you cannot play him. Right. So fuck you if you don't like the character. Make yourself like him. Fuck you. And he obviously doesn't like the character. He's obviously ashamed of what he's doing. He proves that when he later does interviews where he denigrates the people who help him do his research, the, the people who invite him into their dungeon in the BDSM community who invite him to look at their intimate moments to help him. He denigrates them, and he proves he hates his character. Yeah, I want to take and, a shower. And but... I want to take a shower afterward. Fuck you. If you don't like the character, don't fucking play it. And if you can't. <laughs> If you if you don't like the character going in, learn to fucking love it, jerk. I mean, god damn it. Yeah, you're we're paying money for this. I bet Dan Stevens could have fucking kicked this thing out of the park. 
You yeah. just you just knocked it out, Kelly Wand. Well, I don't want to get her off the hook either, though. Like she's well, not, I think she does worlds better, but she's about, I mean, she's just boring. But it's not her fault. She has nothing to work with. I don't think true. she hates the character. It's clear that he hates the character. He doesn't like the yeah. character, right? He's and he thinks he's hateable. Yeah, and that, but that's part and parcel of the writing. I'm sorry, I just, no, I just yeah, went yeah. off. But go ahead. Well, no, it's, if this is a movie for women, like, he should be fucking mesmerizing. Like, Dan Stevens in The Guest is, like... Absolutely right. You right. you made the perfect point. I'm sorry to get so excited, but it wasn't until you said that that I got excited. Thank They're you very British. much. <laughs> I mean, The Guest has way better writing, too. And I, like, I try and see... See, this is the thing. There's some people that don't understand, like, what, like the point of seeing bad movies. But you can learn a lot from watching them. And it's oh, like, yeah. This yeah. didn't need to suck. It could have been... Like there was two ways they could have saved it. They could have done what I just said, which would have been the obvious way, or they could have Brady bunched it and just like kind of parodied it, which would have lost the BL James. I don't know. Maybe that would have worked, but I think there's a way. Well, I think that the movie kind of goes into that territory a couple of times. I think that what yeah, it's trying, but it's what not. She, what she's directed to do a couple of times is very sitcommy. I mean, I think honestly, I think she's in a sitcom and he's in a soap opera. I think honestly, a lot of the time, even the music underneath it, which is an abomination, which I hope like we can talk about, but the music underneath a lot of her scenes in the hardware store, even in that first scene, is this weird. I would hear this movie in a Disney network show my son uh, like a sitcom my kid listens to or watch <laughs> i mean yeah. music and, and then she has a couple like these like goofy moments i mean she slips on a banana peel when she walks into the office for fuck's sake wait it's a banana peel no no but it's oh. it's basically that moment and, right. you, and you make a joke about that and you're opposite she falls down then she falls down again i mean and she makes little goofy jokes here and there and she just basically has a a sitcom Wait, yeah, and he has a soap opera wait. It's all artificial. None of it feels real. Neither of them feel real. Absolutely, this is a Cinemax movie, and maybe they shouldn't. But that's why I say Sharon Stone is like, okay, the you movies got, were still badly written, but she she came to play. Well, she at least she had weight. Sharon Stone, yeah. Kathleen Turner, that kind of actress can come in and bring the heat. Uh, Dan like, Stevens you know, could have stood up to that, and you are absolutely fucking right. I'm not convinced he wants to do that. Like, he doesn't want to be carnal because he's married and has kids in RL. And so that's more important to him than, like, like Marlene Dietrich, too. Like, that's another chick who was just, like, giving it her all. And this is a movie where you kind of have to do that. It's about passion. You absolutely have to. I mean, of course, I don't think the writer gives them anything. No, yeah. No, no, totally. (laughs) That's what we know going in, though. It's like, all right, this stupid movie is going to happen. I don't know. Maybe I made the dumb point with women not getting. Like I'm trying to think of you asked me to like name competent versions of this. No, I, I, I think that's a little unfair, and we'll talk about the little Black Widow. <laughs> I mean, I think this movie has a ton of problems, and not the least of which is what it does to women. And and then and most surprisingly to me is what it doesn't do to uh, to rape culture or to the BDSM community because I, I think this movie uh, for me and I wonder what you'll think about this I think this movie has more in common with Last Temptation of Christ and Passion of the Christ than other and then any movie that is about sexual sexuality because of how people reacted to the marketing yeah. um, and and if you think about it the way Forbidden. 
the way Christians reacted to Last Temptation of Christ propelled that movie into success. I mean, they didn't bother to see it, and they just decried it. But then they loved Passion, which to, which I think to both I think well, like I love Passion the Christ, and you hate it. But I think well, we'll, I agree. Like that's the weirder one to be successful of the two, almost. Like, well, it's 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 weird for Passion to be successful, but partly it's because it's so violent Christians championed it, but people who were non-religious or a different sort of devout objected to it. So it was people who objected to the movie without seeing it yeah. that propelled it to Both success. Times. Last Temptation got more success than it deserved, even though it's a great movie. It got more success than it would have otherwise gotten because Christians decided to boycott it without seeing it. Passion of the Christ had the same thing. Um I think that both of those movies have a lot in common with this because I think a lot of the 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 community that uh, is naturally um, is naturally kinky, which I am very positive about, even though I, that is not my nature, or the BDSM community, which is not my nature either, but I am very positive about, didn't bother to see it, but bought, but went ahead and just started launching. Kickstarter campaigns about how awful the movie is without bothering to look at it and realize it's a slight piece of shit that yeah. doesn't deserve your attention. You should have treated it with derision instead of propelling it to success. I think some of them did, though. Like, this this isn't accurate. This is about abuse, and it has nothing uh, to do with it. It's okay. not about abuse. It's not about abuse. It's not about rape. I mean, what it does is the, slight. It's, it's, it's a sliver of sensuality. It doesn't even understand well, the yeah. BDSM culture. It doesn't understand. It doesn't understand sex. That, but it doesn't do those things that they're saying. It's not abusive. It's not rapey. It's 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 overly like sterile. It's mediocre uh, at best. It doesn't have any of those qualities. And they they propelled it forward as this scary movie about their culture, which I understand. I totally understand it. I understand the other aspect that they would object to, but I don't understand why you, why you don't watch it and go, this is just disregard. It should have been disregarded completely. It's just terrible. It has nothing to do with their lifestyle or their um, or or what they what they are, what they were born to. It has nothing more to do with that than than. Uh, I mean, it has just nothing to do with it. It's just slight. Oh, it's so upsetting to me to watch this movie. I mean, and I did a little bit of research in this because I wanted to go in with my eyes open and just look at it and go, if 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 so many writers would have looked at it and gone, oh, it's nothing, write it off as a as a, as a red shoes diary. They did. They tried, but it was it made. They then they should have disregarded it because it is uh, it is utterly it's just worth derision. It has nothing to do with anything. And but. But on top of that, it's it's basically a soap opera, soap opera that's not without even soap opera. It's, it's not offensive in that way. It's it's not. I mean, eh, I don't know. Nothing happens. There's no even soap operas have like plots that are moving and they have treachery and they're kind of fast paced. Like nothing happens in this fucking movie. Like none of the other characters have any. Like the roommate and the brother. Like it's all just sort of introduced and then thrown away. Well, I have no idea who he is. For instance, no. I have no I'm idea not who he is. To, oh, by the some... end of the movie, he's just mysterious. That's a thing. See, maybe it's not his fault. No, it is his fault because he's not sexy either. Well, I I have this weird theory. This is totally weird that that, that this movie is sort of this weird. You know how sometimes we talk about male power fantasies. Uh, 
I don't know. We t- yeah, okay, sure. Well, no, uh, you know, I've talked about it. Like uh, we talked about it when we did the um, Three Days to the Kill. I think it was uh, the Kevin Costner movie where he saves right. his daughter from being raped and shoots everybody in the room, and it's like Luke Besson like doing his male power fantasy thing. I think this feels like a weird sort so, of by just- way, it's chivalry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sort of a weird it's juxtaposition it. of a female power fantasy where she where she saves a billionaire who can't love. And teaches him how to love, um, right. or or moves him in that direction, um, and I think that it's more offensive from that point of view. And I feel kind of offensive saying that, um, but uh, but I think it's more on those lines than it is on any sort of offensive note as far as uh, offending people who who have kinks, which is you know again yeah. no problem. I mean, I don't understand why people in the kink community even pay attention to this movie. Because it made a lot of money and it's getting made and it's going to be because it wants to because the movie wants to have its cake and eat it too like it wants to go it wants to like entice I don't know maybe it doesn't want to entice it wants to just entice the general public into thinking that they've seen something they oh right that right. they shouldn't see or that's going to like but it doesn't really do that it like doesn't give you doesn't give you anything that's what I'm saying it's bad value it's bad value for the millions of people who flocked to see it I feel bad for them they got chipped. Oh well, what do you mean by that? Because there's no, there's no sex. There's nothing in this that's good. Like there's not. I don't think he's good value for them, as like. A, you mean the actor a or the character? Poisoner? Both. A well, <laughs> definitely not the actor, and that's the thing. Like, you can make like I can see a movie that, like okay, and I think the, without being too spoilery about the trilogy, but like. The conflict is like she wants a vanilla relationship. Like in the book, I guess she stays the night even after the spank, and then he's all like, "I don't know if I could." What do you mean the spank? The last thing where she yeah, the last thing that's not even where she gets him to beat her so severely, and that's the that's the final conflict of the movie, the climax of the movie. She stays. Yeah, she stays, and then they break up. Like they have more. What? There's more talking in bed later. Like she goes to bed with him. And then they're in bed together. Talk about love, right? I know. So it's like, and then this keeps going. Then they break up, and then they're back together in the second one. And then, well, what is what is this character that he is? He's supposed to be this perfect control freak, and he never exercises absolute control over her. What is going on? And he does the whole movie is fucking robots bullshit. It's like all right, bugs and he's her car like. All he does is romance. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's bad value. It's like it's all he does. He doesn't give her like – he says he fucks hard, but then we don't see that. Like we just see the soft side until the end, and then it's just kind of unbelievable. And we don't even know why it happens. No, no. He I'm, never actually fucks her hard. Right. He just, he just okay. he makes love to her. He That's says, never- I don't make love, and then he, he constantly makes love to her in this movie, which, right. is, which is, I guess, this, this particular author's fantasy. Um then he stalks her for a while. Then she says no, and then he shows up at her apartment and seduces her again and kind of lightly ties her up. I mean – I don't know why either of them would be into each other based on having seen the movie and just watching them interact. Like well, meet them. You know, there's absolutely nothing like this. Oh, good lord. And they just – that, that would keep going after this is only a given based on the fact that we know there's three books. Like I would never come out of this movie going, obviously they get back together and this happens like – Nothing happens for any reason that I can tell. Nothing happens for any it's, reason. It's in a certain order. Uh, the brother, the badge, contract never gets signed. Like, that's sort of just dropped. Oh, know? that's awesome. Hey. That is totally awesome. I, I, love I got it. 
movie. It's just like uh, Jupiter Ascending. It's all about paperwork that never really matters, basically. Uh, do you have a uh, a favorite part of the movie? Funniest or like – because that's kind of all – I mean I like boobs. Oh, you, you could choose either a favorite part of the movie or a least favorite part of the movie. Um, my helicopter was weak. I think I like – I don't know. I, I guess I like the scenes that I didn't – that weren't in the movie that I would have wanted, like her leaving the hardware store or him buying the hardware store. I like the graduation <laughs> scene. <laughs> He's giving the speech, and then when she's taking the diploma, he's like, did you sign the contract yet or make up your mind? She's like, I can't. Like, neither of them care. Like, that's that seems like a really weird coincidence. Like, did he just give that speech so he could see her on the stage, or did she know? Uh, by the way, when you graduate from college, you don't shake hands with the person who did the gave speech. Gave the commencement speech. Yeah. They don't give you the diploma. They, they, don't, they don't stand there. Yeah. They go sit down. You, you shake hands with the people from college. You don't shake hands with the graduation speaker. And is the mom cool or a bitch? Like I can't tell. She's been she married four the- times. She's a romantic. Uh, at the beginning, I'm totally confused. Like somebody broke his ankle, then Ray is doing this, and Bob broke his ankle, and I don't know what to do. And he's a golfer, and I'm going to sit here and drink wine. And you can come down to Georgia if you feel like it. Uh, I have, yeah. I have no idea what the fuck that character is. But he goes, "Oh, my brother sucks. Fuck that guy." Like he says something kind of denigrating, and then, oh, he says, "Yeah, he's my brother, but not by choice." Not by choice. The, the brother never does because they're all adopted, and and I guess he just has to carry his brother along. I mean, they're all adopted not, kids. I mean, that's what I got out of it. That's thin. The brother should be a little more central. What's the sister? The sister's just another ethnicity that they threw in there because she's adopted too. I mean, I got, I got, I got, the, I got the sense that these are super rich people who adopted a bunch of kids and threw a bunch, of, threw a bunch of money. They're okay. even, they're less, they're more boring than the Jupiter ascending rich siblings. Oh my God! It's something. I think that. they are, the, they are the Jupiter ascending siblings. Yeah. They, 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 they just, they, they found the a bunch of <laughs> Eventually, like ten years from now, they, they figure out the technology where they can replace their cells and they move on in the future. So they, these are the Jupiter ascending sim- yeah. siblings. Chris, you just, you just solved this movie. This is the prequel to Jupiter ascending. Awesome! All night, Kelly. Oh, you are so awesome. I love you so much. So <laughs> simple. Can you explain to me that first fucking scene with Marcia Gay Harden? That first mom scene? What the fuck is going on? What, when she goes and sees her in person or on the phone? No, no. Marcia Gay Harden shows up at his apartment. Oh, yeah, when he comes to the she comes Surprise, to the I'm here. I've been waiting to meet you for so long. Yeah, I met him two days ago. Uh, okay, uh, you should definitely show up at our uh, family engagement. See you later. Bye. Yeah, I what didn't understand. What the fuck that. was that scene? And he acts like, oh, my mother, get a load of her. But, like, he's weird, too. It's the whole family's, I don't even care about these people. But <laughs> is the mob a villain? I'm told that in later on there's, like, one of his f- former girls. What do you mean by later on? Are you talking about in sequels? Yeah. I couldn't care less. Ah, oh, good lord. 
Well, because I'm thinking, because because when I saw this, I go, wait, nothing happens in this fucking movie. Like, what is even? No, being not a goddamn up? thing happens except right. the two of them look at each other longingly every now and then. Totally. But, but they don't even look like they're looking at each other. I, I mean, they're back. This dude, whoever's playing Christian Gray, I refuse to say his name. It basically gives. It seems to be given the direction. Look like look with intensity. At what? I don't know. A vase. Just look look off into the distance for a minute. And he, he can't do it. He looks like he's considering what he's going to have for lunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know somebody who went to see this who was glad that it was him because uh, she would have thought, well, if it's George Clooney, I would have constantly thinking it's George Clooney. Well, at least George Clooney could act some of this. I mean, that guy, this guy yeah. looks off into the distance like he's just thinking about the fact that he has to go pee. I mean, I never get a sense that he's thinking that he's looking at her like uh, – I mean, I think he should be either be imagining the things that she's doing to him to change him and that are confusing him or what he wants to do to her. And he leaves so much to chance that I never get anything he's thinking. This is the worst drawn character I think I can, I can think of in recent history. I mean, he's horribly drawn. Yeah. He, he's just some weird 27-year-old billionaire who lines up pencils on his desk. We don't know what the fuck his company is about. He's not a control freak because he lets her get away with all kinds of shit. Um, what the fu- Who the fuck is this guy? And I think well, – go ahead. Well, just he's supposed to be mysterious too, but the mysterious thing, like Rochester and Jane Eyre or something, or, or it's like they have to be kind of deep or thoughtful in some way. Yeah, like yeah. They're not just ciphers. They're mysterious for a reason, and then you find out more about him. But he, by the end of the movie, we don't know anything more about him. He doesn't seem more interesting or deeper or smarter. Like, we never see him do anything cool. No, and you know, and that's or anything think, we haven't seen. I think that is the most, I think, offensive thing about the movie, and what it's very bland. What I would say is offensive about it, um, as opposed to what it might get wrong about uh, BDSM or any sort of kinkiness is uh, this idea that the only thing we know about him is that his kink, whatever that is, you know, be, be it BDSM or whatever, is based on pathology. Um, he, and, and, that, and that I would understand. Like if, if I'm if I'm a if I'm a person who who identifies as, as kinky, or uh, or is is uh, has it was BD Sam or whatever you know be it whatever it is, um, that might be my choice. That might be my my wiring. That may be just who I am. But to constantly refer to it as a pathology, which what this movie seems to do, something happened to me, and if I told you it, you would never talk to me again. Yeah. Um, this this woman abused me for six years, uh, and then now she's my perfect friend. Right. Th- those things are pathological. Now they they turn. Now I'm not saying that a certain number of people who become a certain number of people who become sex workers, certain number of people who have any sort of thing that goes on in their life aren't shaped by their environment. That might very well be true. I think that's true. There's a certain amount of that. But I can understand that feeling of like, really, this is our chance for you to see our culture and you're portraying it as pathology, that it's just something that happened to him and he can't even talk about it because he had a crack whore for a mother who burned it. I mean, 
I can understand. But he's a billionaire that. now, so it all worked out. But he's so a billionaire he... now, so it all worked out. Now he's a playroom, and now there's a cute little joke about it being about an Xbox. So I can understand that being offensive. I absolutely can. But I don't know that that's true. I haven't read any reviews. I don't know. But as I watched the movie, I just thought everything about his kink seems pathological. It just seemed, it seems like based on also some sort of like wound he was given as a kid or yeah. abu- abuse. And that seems to lend this idea that, again, this might be sort of that female power fantasy I was talking about for this particular writer, not all women, that, oh, if his kink is based on something that happened to him that was a wound or an injury, then I can fix that. I can fix that kink. I can fix that thing that is wrong with him because that is something that should be fixed rather than right. something that is a- absolutely natural and understandable about human sexuality. And I can understand like curing why. curing sexuality. What did you say? Like curing homosexuality by going to a camp. Exactly. Like curing homosexuality. Like, uh, like I'm sure there's a certain number of people who Pierce. were abused by an uncle and maybe they then started to be gay. I don't think that's true, but maybe there's a certain number. But that's not the general idea. Right. So this is a weird fantasy of I can fix this nice man. And this is a Fix This Man movie. And, I just and he's don't... also a really cold it's a cold movie, and he's a very cold person. Uh, yeah. Like, well, it's called, it's called Fifty Shades of Grey, and why is he even called that? I, I asked that of uh, a lady who'd read them, and she, she told me it's because he had – it's kind of what I said in the office. Like, he has 50 moods, and I go, really? I go, it doesn't sound like it. Like, I'm, really, I don't hear, I'm not getting that sense, and I definitely didn't get that from the movie. He seems a very simple – He has 50 he moods? 50 moods of gray. Well, gray is all the same thing, too. So I don't know why that that it's it's like a title that sounds like it's about something, but it doesn't really mean anything. But it has a number in it. It doesn't have, really mean anything. There's a bunch of ties. I don't I don't even get what it means. Out. Like I think it's a good title, but it does not mean anything. It's a it's really like, it's a really title. evocative title, but it yeah, doesn't it's like oh, what that mean? Fifty Shades of Grey, like, and then I think it's almost like the title tricks you into thinking it's going to be like that. Uh, I with, and then there's no. It's like I have, lost. I have another weird question for you. <laughs> About the movie? Yeah. Yes, I love it. Um, Not the movie. Was that a condom wrapper? Uh, I was told it was a dick neck. What? Wait, which part are you talking about? I'm what talking are... about there's a moment when he flips her over. Yeah, yeah. When he goes, when he, when he goes, and she said... Um, but it isn't worth the first time. No, she says, "Nice knowing you," and he comes over to her house, and then he he takes her, right? And he it seems like he's opening a condom wrapper. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, he does. But he doesn't do it the first time they had sex. No, no, but it, but did we see a condom being opened? Uh, I think so. All right, this might be why. Fun. Why is that a weird question? It's just it was just it was just why one of those moments time? where I was like, "Did I see that?" Did, and I. You know, I turned. I, I actually got to see this movie with my girlfriend. Um, I said, "Is that? Did I just see that?" And she's like, "I don't know. I think so." You know what? I did like my favorite scene. Actually, was the boardroom. She's like, "Now fisting." I kind of. Oh, all right. That was fine. Yeah. It's, it's, it was well acted, but still. Uh, it was. It got as close as it could get to anything in this movie being erotic, and it had the least amount of nudity. Um, right. 
except until the moment where she said, "What's a butt plug?" Yeah. So, yeah. I, so wait a minute. You, you understand what genital clamps are, and you yeah. don't know what a butt plug is? Yeah, she prepared for the business meeting, but didn't look up that one. I'm pretty sure everybody in the world knows what that is, and even just from the context. Yeah, almost nobody knows what a genital clamp she is. Was so was. Oh, good lord. But I did like – you're right. I did like that. I like the way that – I like the that she that, left uncrossed out. Like, all right, that's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there were hard limits and soft limits and that right. she went Facebook. through that and that he was impressed with her and that she withheld sex from him at the end of the meeting. I mean I liked some of that. I think this movie could have dealt with a lot more withholding. It actually. could have been good. I swear it could have been. It's I mean that that kiss in the elevator, for instance. One of the things I loved about this movie, and 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 this is where I will say my favorite thing about the movie, is that they didn't kiss, and that she wanted to kiss him so badly, and you can tell that he kind of did too. And there was that's a re- that was that's a real that's really erotic, um, and he should control that because that's his point. I mean, controlling her, dominating, and deciding when what happens when, and putting rules down for that. But when they get in the elevator, they they sacrifice that that equity they've put together for that non kissing for a cheap joke about elevator kissing. And I think that basically encapsulates what's this what this movie is. It's that it it understands like an elementary version of what eroticism is yeah. but it sacrifices it every time for coming too soon or kissing too soon or whatever yeah really lame jokes like, i mean they're either they're totally out of character too like she I mean, there, there was a moment there at the beginning where, like, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. I mean, he's terrible, and she's she's okay. I mean, she's she's actually really cute. Um, she she understands how to act. She understands how to do a scene. Um, this ele- that elevator thing at the beginning, the Anastasia Christian thing, is a little bit enticing, and then they ruin it. I think she's better than two, but I don't think she likes him. And I don't think she she didn't seem like she wanted to kiss him, and it seemed like in every, it seemed like in a lot of scenes they were just photographed separately. Uh, I don't think necessarily. She, I think she wanted to be kissed. I don't think she wanted to kiss him. I think she wanted to be kissed. I don't think she wanted to fuck him. I think she wanted to be made love to, and uh, and I think that she conveys that very well. I think she does a fine job with that. Uh, uh, I don't I didn't believe think, she was a virgin. <laughs> Oh, oh, well, that's the other thing. I mean, that's what the that's fuck? Oh, okay, what do you think about that choice? What do you think about the author? It's the book, I'm assuming. But well, it, just, it's let's just let's 20. forget about the book for a minute. Just throw the book out. Um, what do you think about the writer, director, whatever choice to make her a virgin in this particular story? Well, I'm assuming it was a part of the fantasy of Edward James. Let me got you for, your first love's a millionaire, and so I think that's what is supposed to be the exciting part. Although it seems like if you're doing mommy porn, it seems like the wrong theme, maybe. Because they're going to be unless they've had sex with only one guy. That's that's what I'm curious. That's why I don't understand. Is that which would have been, which is almost the same thing. Like it's and that's more believable. Like okay, if I had one boyfriend ever or something. Like I, those girls exist, but there's no way. Like a girl who like Dakota. Nobody Johnson. wants to only have one boyfriend ever. No, no, I know, but no I'm saying there's no way. Dakota Johnson wouldn't have been a virgin <laughs> by that okay. stage. Okay, granted, 
I, I mean, I, I was I was still. I mean, uh, honestly, I was still a virgin by that age, almost. Um, I'm not a girl, but uh, uh, well, at least as, as far as we can tell. But um, but you probably had. You probably but I'm just talking about story wise. What is the most interesting choice? Is how is, how is making her a virgin an interesting choice? Well, what's weird is then his his response to that is oh, and then they have. That kind of sucks. And then he rectifies the situation. She says, "I'm a situation," and then they run off and and make tepid tepid love. And then yeah. she, then he plays piano for a while, and then they make more tepid love. I mean, come I on. Did you say that? Why? It should have been the best sex ever. Like she should have. Oh my god! I've been on bread and water all. They were they fuck. were trying so hard to make it look like that, but it wasn't. No, of so course shitty. not. But what are the worst sex scenes, like least erotic of anything? But that—that's the point. I mean, the the time you have sex when you're a virgin, it's not going to be like that. It's it's not awkward. It's least. weird. It and it, it it's fumbly and it's strange. And it doesn't matter who you're with. No, no. If you're having a, if a billionaire, okay. If you're a girl who's a virgin and a billionaire like Playboy is going to be your first. Like he's it's going to be he knows what he's doing. It doesn't matter if he knows what he's doing or not. She's still got her hang-ups. I mean, it's yeah, but still would be, be painful and weird for her. She would have got done oral, like, forever. Like, here. And she probably wouldn't want him to. She would have been too sensitive to that. It might make her giggle. It might make her squirm. It might be like, don't do that to me. I'm not, I've never, that's never been, don't do that. That's, you're doing it for too long. Cut it out. I mean, there's, uh, there's so many things that could have gone on, but making her a virgin cuts all of those options out. If you make her a, a woman who has experience, then yeah, she'll let him go down on her forever. But a virgin, I mean, if she's never experienced those things, that, this is weird. She doesn't like, understand what's going on. Why did the Why does the writer make that choice? Well, I don't get it. Why, why do you make you can't that throw choice? The book out because that's all from the book. Like I don't care if it's from the book. It doesn't like make it. a sense as a choice. It's not an interesting choice to make her a virgin. No. How is that an interesting I'm choice not. for the for the for the women who are supposed to be reading this book? Well, it's a risk, and you got to all right. I better pay that off. It's going to be. She's going to get deflowered. It's going to be the big epic scene. Fucking a fizzle. It's one of the least. I, I'm sorry. I just don't understand how 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 making her this virgin. this this weird 23 year old virgin is an interesting choice. That a that a billionaire 27 year old gets to deflower. How that's an interesting choice for 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 this for the for the audience's book. I don't get it. Or it's a series book. of uninteresting choices. It's all right. A clusterfuck of uninteresting. That, choices. that that should be the actual title of this. Right. Episode. Fifty uninteresting, uninteresting choices. A series of uninteresting choices. Right. Uh, you know. Um, also, in, yeah. In the book, uh, apparently at the end, instead of saying no, she says red because that's the safe word. Well, that's what she should have said. No, see, they made it labor. No, it sounds like what I'm saying to, my, to my dog, honey. No, it sounds like she's talking to a dog. What the hell? And then he does it. He responds. He shouldn't. I know. It's out of character. Oh, God, I want to punch this. That makes sense. It fucks up its own themes. It's so muddled. It's, it, it, that's what I'm saying. It's a bad movie, and it's bad porn. It doesn't deliver on either front. It delivers terrible characters, poorly constructed, with no payoff. And you go, all right, the sex scenes will save it. Because that's happened. My over-under, like... All right, let's go on to over under because I think the sex scenes in this movie are, are are terrible, and we haven't even talked about the BDSM scenes, which aren't even scenes and aren't even interesting. Yeah, it's very 
it's very tame and very watered down and very I get the sense that there'll be an unrated cut that will also suck slightly. Oh, who less. the fuck cares? They, they, <laughs> these people have no idea what's going on. No, but it's like that's what I'm saying. It's like you see a shot of her boobs, but it's very. It's just shot like okay, there's the boob shot, and then you she's see, got a she's got a great body, but yeah, I know. Just, Ollie, you know what, more this film has so little eroticism to it that who cares? He's, right, got, he's got a fine body too, but who cares? Yeah, I know. But in the in the scenes where you see it, it's like they both are just like here's this, here's what I contractually signed on for for this. All right, like, it's not like they should just be like fucking all over each other, like just sweat slick. He needs to fucking pull his head out of his ass. I really blame him because he's supposed to be the more experienced lover. She could just be. I don't want to be in this movie, and it's not that far a different well, thing from. I'm inexperienced, but like he should be the man. Well, I think he's. Well, I I totally disagree with that. Um, uh, I I think he's. Uh, if you're by by he, you're meaning the actor. Yeah, it's not. He should be the man. Doesn't make any sense. It's the writing. The writing is the problem. Period. Both. They're both. They're not mutually exclusive. He should be the man. Is not fair to her, uh, because that would give her equal weight. And if she can't pull her weight, then too bad. I mean, it's the writing that's the problem. I mean, then they're both. They both can't live up to the writing. He's terrible. Wait, you, were, you had a tantrum earlier about how bad he is, and now. Oh, you're I, I think he's terrible, but he should be the man. I think is weird to say. <laughs> he's the dominant male character in the. Erotic. But the submissive has power too. It's it, this movie doesn't understand the power exchange, and I think that no. what what you're saying is is odd because I think that. Saying he should be the man. I, I, I don't know. I just reacted to that. No, I'm referring I to the apologize. performances. Okay, no, okay. Just, I'm kind of just reiterating what. Well, the, then don't say he should be the man. He should be the dom because the dom can be the man or the woman. So he should be the dom and he's not. I'm saying. Right. That's All basically right. what I'm saying. All right, fine. All right, so let's go on to over under because I've got I could I could complain about this movie all night long. We do not have time for that, and people are probably already bored with us pontificating about it. I would hope so. Uh, they have to through the movie though too, and then they have to listen to us. That's a good point. So, so uh, do you want to go with over or under? Are you going to be a top or a bottom right now? <laughs> uh, what's your choice? Um, I, I well, I'm gonna actually, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the bottom on this particular one. I'm gonna go oh, gonna under. I'm going to say my under for this movie, and this was difficult until I thought about two different movies. Um, my under for this movie would be Sleeping with the Enemy. Uh. And the, the reason I choose Sleeping, for the, Sleeping with the Enemy is that it's just this ridiculous uh, picture of a of person who has OCD and is also dominant and abusive. Um, because I just remember that movie as him like keeping all the cans perfectly lined up in the kitchen cabinets. And if right. even one of them was out of place, she would get the, the shit beat out of her. He's joking. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so in this movie, you have this guy who's in this high-powered office who, some for some reason, has sharpened pencils on his desk. Nobody uses pencils. Uh, he would have pens. He would yeah. have perfectly lined up pens because pencils are messy, and they have to be sharpened, and there's all kinds of shavings. But pencils are cute, and they have gray printed on them. But anyway, sleeping with and the like enemy would be my under, yeah. They're phallic. 
So when she puts the eraser in her mouth, it's exciting. As yeah, that's, that's cute, but I think they could have gotten more mileage out of pens. Anyway, what would be your under? My under would be Exit to Eden. Oh, wow, I've never even seen that. Ugh, it's so wretched. But it's like, it's trying to be, it's like a romantic comedy kind of movie, but it's about, there's like a jewel thief caper in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's set on a bondage island ruled by Dana Delaney. And it's got Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd as cops there to like scout the place for, what's that chick's name? It's like the one name, the black supermodel chick. Iman? Is that it? Yeah, Iman. Iman. Iman's the jewel thief. Imama. And so Rosie O'Donnell's the progressive-minded um, chick who wears leather, and Dan Aykroyd, it looks like the biker from Village People, but he's like, oh, this stuff's got to be repressed. This is bad. So he's like this conservative one. I think he's supposed to be a mechanic, too. That's his cover on the island. Oh my God. But it's that thing where it's like, it's R-rated, but it's trying to... It's just equally bland and like totally wretched. <laughs> totally wretched. I love that. All right. So, what would be your over? See, over. Okay, my over. I think besides the guest, and I'd even give Sliver an over over this, but like the movie, I kind of wished it was, or the movie I think it could have learned a lot from if they'd studied it was uh, The Big Easy. Did you ever see that movie? Whoa! No, is that? Dan, Dan, uh, Quaid? Quaid, Dennis Quaid? Barkin. Oh, Ellen Barkin. Arr, damn. Yeah, yeah. And the movie's basically like he's a dirty cop in New Orleans and she's like investigating him. Like she's internal affairs or something. But they have this affair and they have such a great sexual connection. And he like. It's oh, really, man. I love that choice. Sex teens and he fingers are. It's like it's really. And they seem really into it. Oh, I remember. Actually, I remember that now. Damn. Yeah, yeah. And they don't like each other. She doesn't like him at first, and she's there to investigate him because he is crooked. But it's like their affair just feels really organic, and the and both you can just kind of see it. It just seems like and they both seem really invested in it actually happening. It's like really steamy sex scenes. Oh man, that's a really good choice. I mean, maybe not the most graphic, like the hot spot kind of graphic, kind of like hot spot's really good mileage. I think I really looked forward to seeing Hotspot. That was directed by Don Johnson, right? No, Uh, no, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Don Johnson's in there. That's right. It's got Madsen and Connolly. Oh, Virginia Madsen. Oh, damn. Yeah, evil Virginia Madsen is the film. Oh, and uh, it's it's really really good. If you're yeah yeah, that's probably that's another good over. But the Big Easy is about to like it's not really a love story. It's a noir kind of thing, and like I think this should have been a love story. But it was no, no. It, you mean um, Fifty Shades? Shades, yeah. I think it should. I think it is a love story. It's just well, that's, it's just a botched. Like the big easy is way more. I don't know. Well, that's what it's trying to be, right? But I would steer all the mommies. But it doesn't understand his character well enough to make it that. I mean, it, I think it understands her character. Oh, if you're going to make that terrible choice, I think it understands her character. But I don't think it understands what his character is, no. or what it's, his what his rules should be. And, and yeah, and I think it's, I feel like it's like they're gonna okay, you'll find out in the next movie. But that's fucking lame. I don't want to find out in the next movie. Fuck you. Make this movie. Well, and they were going to cramp – I think the original conception was like there's not enough happens in the first book. We're going to do all the books in the first – in just one movie. But then for financial reasons, 
they went, all right, let's do a Hobbit. And now it's like, here you are. Good job, guys. We saw it, made 90 million. So now, now the next stupid thing, the Fifty Shades fan fiction movie that will come out in five years wow. that we'll do a podcast about. But again, Sharon Stone. All right, fair enough. Um, All right, my over would be a movie that I saw um, within the last couple of months. It's, um, I think it's a French movie. Uh, It's called The Blue Room. Um, Blue Room. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Now, I went back and forth with the movie I chose from my MMC, from my mini movie club. I wanted to kind of choose this one. (laughs) But yeah, for mini movie club of Palooza, I wanted to choose the Blue Room for people to see. But I think it would be too hard for people to see this movie. It's it's a it's a it's an obscure French movie. Um, But there's there's Ah. a there's a moment in this where where they talk about biting your lip, Um, and there's a moment in the Blue Room where that happens, and and the sexual dynamic, the understanding of that, and what it's done with dramatically. and and the danger in the bedroom that you can feel uh, is so much more effective in the blue room than uh, can even be conceived of in Fifty Shades of Grey. So my over would easily be the blue room because the moment where like she's bite, she's biting her lip and he's like I would like to bite your lip. Uh, I leaned over to my girlfriend and I said, well, what, What's the movie we saw where somebody bites somebody's lip? This reminds me of something. She goes, Oh. Uh, uh, the Blue Room. So while we're watching Fifty Shades of Grey, we're talking about other movies. So that's yeah. how that's that's all With you need to know in the title. about Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, so anyway, my over would be The Blue Room. If you can get a chance to see The Blue Room, you should. It's not uh, it's not super excellent, but it's a really good movie. It's directed by a guy named Matthew Amarek, um, and he's also in it. He's a really good actor. Um, so it's really good. It's a pretty good movie. It's interesting. See, what if this movie had been French? Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades. Okay. Uh, they, they would. It would have been much sexier. Uh, Virgin. Uh, huh. So many sexier movies than this. This movie is just, if with the, for all its nudity and sex scenes, just so unsexy. All right, so uh, every, every week we choose uh, a movie that we want you to see. Um, and so last week, Kelly Wand decided that we were going to see a movie based on... <clears throat> Jupiter Ascending. Uh, there's a movie that he watched uh, or knew about that he uh, insisted that we all talk about and see. And what was that movie, Kelly Wan? Horvaski's Dune. All right. But, why did Why did you choose that? Uh, because Jupiter Ascending, I'd seen Horvaski's Dune right before that, and it struck me even more. The contrast struck me as like a movie about a a science fiction movie that I think would have been really awesome and couldn't get made for $15 million. And then Jupiter Sending, they managed to make for $150 million. Couldn't spare $15 million for Salvador Dali, Orson Welles, Mick Jagger, Pink Floyd movie. Um, but Jupiter Sending showed me that anything's possible. Okay. Plus, I just wanted you to see it and um, when when did you see this movie? Uh, like a couple months ago. And and what do you think about it? I mean, it's I wasn't it's expecting a 
I wasn't quite expecting a documentary. I didn't know what to expect. Well, I'm fascinated by stories about failed movies and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, did you ever see Lost in La Mancha? Of course, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, the, the, this definitely brings that to mind. Yeah, yeah, it does. But this even, I think... Oh, oh I, so I didn't even think about that. There's a connective tissue. I don't know if we mentioned this. Like, right. There's connective tissue with Terry Gilliam. Okay, of course. Wait, what's the connection with Terry Gilliam and Dune? No, in uh, in Jupiter Ascending. Oh, Jupiter Ascending, right, yeah. That's true. Um, right, see, and then look how lame it is. Yeah. Compared to... It just seems... Uh, I don't know. It's like things suck used to suck for different reasons. But I, you almost kind of feel like you saw the movie. A little bit. Right. The way he describes it. Right. And that guy from Drive's in it. We can see what he looks like. And we get to hear Giger's voice, and he sounds it is like an alien. So funny to hear Giger, who yeah, that that moment was great for me. Uh, but it was even greater to hear Nicholas Winding Refn talk. Yeah, um, I love hearing that guy talk. I expected him to be much harder to understand. And it's just so strange. It's like this guy got fucking Dan O'Bannon, and oh, uh, yeah, that surprised me. There's that moment. <laughs> Where I said, "Oh, Kelly," when when he's like, and then I saw this movie, and then then the spaceship oh, the spaceship starts to sneak in. I'm like, "You can't be! You've got to be kidding me! No way! No way! No way! No way!" And then it's then it <laughs> it starts. Yeah. I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" It's like you incepted me two years ago yeah. to watch this movie. That was awesome without really planning that. Ah, oh, it's uh, such a great moment, and then but he, like goes, he, uh, he has made it with Douglas Trumbull. He's like, ah, he's, this guy's too technical. I need right. spiritual warrior, and then his idea of a spiritual warrior is Dan O'Bannon, <laughs> like Dark Star. He sees Dark Star as like, and he had read Dune. That's another interesting thing about it. He's all Dune. I say Dune, but he hadn't read the book. He's all, I have a friend who says it's good. Uh, another weird moment for me was seeing um, the Gruyere uh, shot. Um, because that's where the the Giger Museum is. It's in Switzerland, in a place called Grier. And I accidentally stumbled upon that museum with my with my in laws. Oh, you've been there? Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was totally accidental. Um, we were just we were touring Switzerland back when I was married. Uh, this is like I don't know. Jeez, and my kid's ten, so it has to be twelve years ago. Uh, and I loved Switzerland. I was so I was so crazy about Switzerland. Super, super hot there at the time. But all we wanted to do was eat cheese fondue, and all of the Swiss people would look at us like, "You people are such idiots," because um, it's so hot. <laughs> but How do they even know you're? Oh, oh, because we're it's ordering fondue, and it's super hot. Um, Yourself. But we were in Gruyere, and this, it's just this li- tiny little place. It looks like a fort almost. Um, and the the women, I, you know, the women wanted to go off shopping, and so I I was hanging out with my uh, um, with my then uh, uh, father in law, who is sadly now not, no longer with us. Uh, and we just were walking around the city, uh, and we walked up this road, and it said H.R. Giger Museum. It just had. It was just this little weird little door, and I'm like, "All right, uh, is this who I think it is?" Um, and so we went into this museum in Grier, and it was his museum, and it's the weirdest place to visit with your father-in-law because it's hypersexual and weird. Um, yeah, but so like you're on a different. Absolutely, but still, so seeing, seeing that when you're with your father-in-law is weird. It's weird seeing all that weird sexual stuff. It's very, it's very, very weird, um, but also very artistic and dark. And uh, so it's just a great experience. Um, 
but you know, do you know what uh, watching um, Jaroski Dune reminded me of most? Uh, no. What it reminded me of most was Whiplash. <laughs> oh, because of the kid. No. His son. Oh, that's a good point. No, not because of Easy. that. That's a that's a great point. Um, for me, this movie this movie is about this this um, I don't know how he puts it, but uh, but but he's so Mystical. passionate about excellence and discovering and the fact that that life is about discovering your soul or creating your soul. I think is what he says. I think he says life is about creating your soul or something like that. The goal of human life is to create your soul or something like. That. Yeah. But but he is so about. Discovering the essence of art and discovering the – just being excellent about every single thing, no matter whether you're going to be successful or not. You have to try to do it. Yeah. And and this reminds me of, of sort of the thematic nature of Whiplash, which talks about excellence and finding the next Charlie Parker, whatever it takes, finding that level of excellence, even if it doesn't give you success. Uh, and all, and what I thought about when, when he, and I guess you're right, when he was like forcing his son to be trained for all those years, yeah. um, reminded me very much of Whiplash. Excellence usually doesn't create you success. That's the thing. It's even statistically against you. Well, it's, it, it's such a sacrifice. What you're sacrificing and what he's sacrificed and you know, what you watch in, in this sort of tragedy of a movie, but you know, is, is his unwillingness to compromise right. ultimately doomed what he wanted to do. Um, and, and, and if you want to have any success, whether it be in a relationship, in an artistic endeavor, or in your personal life, you have to be able to compromise. And, and this guy just would not. But they were given. That was in the seventies, though, when they were giving directors shitloads of money. Like that was before Heaven's Gate and the whole thing kind of. Was even before but, like, Star the, Wars, right? See, and this would have cost. Shit, I forget what Star Wars cost. But, I don't like, know. He, want, he was going to make this for fifteen million. That doesn't sound like that much money. Well, now it doesn't. I have no idea what that means then. But look who he had. He already had like. Signed in, signed up for it. Like, and he pitched. He already goes. I have all these. I have fucking Orson Welles and so on. Like, he had Mick Jagger. Yeah, but could he have really gotten them on? The, I mean, he had them on the line, but could he have reeled them in? I mean, as much as more than like they could have. They yeah, didn't. Yeah. They didn't cast those guys. And also, as the movie points out, it's like then they go on and make. They steal all of his talent and make all these different movies. They all use right. Dan O'Bannon for Alien, and then they all right, use fair Dan enough. Fair Giger enough. Yeah. Also for Alien, like it's. They just stole all of his shit. All right, yeah. You, you so may they may as point. well have given a given him a shot. Yeah. And I hadn't seen. I'm not familiar with any of his other work. He's a he's a Mexican uh, director. And I yeah, seen yeah. I had no well, idea. I, I thought he would surely, based on the, his name, <laughs> I thought surely he would have yeah, been some Eastern European dude, like a Polish guy. And and I'm trying to watch the movie and listen to his voice, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? Uh, okay. He says something in the movie I want to ask you about because it kind of does kind of tie in with Shades of Grey. Weird yeah, way. I'm glad we're going to talk about this. Okay, right. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because I, 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 I deliver that line to several different females and they all were nonplussed by it. Like, not one. I couldn't get any support. And I think he was just making an analogy, but he basically says at the end of the movie, um, he's talking about all the changes he was going to make from the book. And then he's all, you know, I, I raped Frank Herbert. Rape you if you respect the woman you won't get the sun in the morning but if you rape her you know but with love with love and i think he's just making a 
metaphor? Uh, I don't. I cannot understand making that metaphor because, because he talks about he talks about you know to rape the bride like but it's a normal thing like hey hey everybody we're gonna go rape it, but even that's for like from a fairy tale like it's not a real bride he's talking about I know but like if you go if you, Schrodinger's cat involves a, uh, like a fake cat in a box you're not killing a real cat I know but to rape the bride and then say I am raping. Uh, Frank Herbert with love with love but people but when some when like a work of art is is co-opted like that and then if it's if it's like poorly adapted people always use a rape analogy like oh they raped the author like that's a that's a common usage of it all right it. yeah but but I wouldn't say like uh boy this it's movie started. raped the author the way you raped a bride as a, because he's talking about it in a positive way He's saying, like, you know, you have to rape the bride, like I raped Frank Herbert, with love. And you're saying women – now, when you say nonplussed, what do you mean? You mean they were surprised? They were like, surprised. what the f- – uh, it varied from offended, like, what? Well, That's of course. Shitty. Right, right. Like, basically what you said to uh, – anyway, moving on. Well, topic. I'm just cruising <laughs> along listening to this movie, and he goes into this analogy about rape, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's a creative. He's like a. He's like a wild, crazy, creative dude. And those people like that, I can. Yeah, I know. Roman Polanski, for instance. I mean, was, yeah, right. Well, that's different. He he acted. It's not different. No, it, he's. Uh, if you say something ver- like he's making an analogy verbally, that's not like Roman Polanski like date raped with drugs. All right, that, fair that's enough. Difference. I shouldn't have said that's a victim, that. That's what's a victimless enough. crime and literally victimless crime. Odorowski did not rape anyone and but a guy who talks about rape in positive like to rape the bride you know like you do i mean it's just <laughs> a weird he right out of it if he just said i raped frank herbert but with love i don't think he would be as offended like it's when he goes for example take a woman <laughs> you rape the woman you go with love like, i know and makes it sound seedier but for me i was just like cruising along with the movie and when that happened i was just like oh my god now i'm with a serial killer uh, and it, you know, uh, it, I mean, just it just was such a it was such a terrifying moment. But isn't isn't America a little uptight about shape, general? Uh, yeah, I general. think we are uptight about rape. No, no, about words. Like, just if you use an algae, like, oh wait, this guy said that. Now we can never listen to him again. Like, isn't it a little hysterical? Well, I, it, it, perhaps it might be. I mean, I was listening to Mel Brooks on a podcast the other day, and they were talking about like uh, the 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 guy doing the podcast was like, "Could you have made Blazing Saddles today?" And they talked about all the fart jokes and everything, and they didn't touch on the main joke that you couldn't make, which is. The, the rape joke in that movie, you know, uh, to rape, blah, 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 rape. You said rape twice. Oh, I thought oh. you were going to say uh, race. Uh, no, no. The rape, he makes two rape, he makes a, a rape joke in that movie. It's like, right. rape, blah, 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 rape. Oh, I like rape. Um, they didn't even touch on that. Wait, wait. You know what? I defend that joke, too. Because well, I'm sure uh, you can. That's wait, wait. Fine. Shoots him. He's all, wait, you're chewing gum. And then it's like, I didn't bring enough for everybody. So then Harvey Corman shoots him. So. The rape part is the setup for, oh, he's a rapist. Oh, wait, but he's chewing gum. Like, that's the thing that Harvey Corman. Like, it's. Maybe, it's so it's so he was all out of rape then? And so he got shot? Right. Like, Harvey Corman's character is villainous, so he doesn't care about rape. But, oh, wait, he's got gum. So it's like he has a weird value system. Uh, <laughs> all right. I just think that it, it may, it, I think it's just my sensibility. I think some things aren't funny. Uh, wait, that, wait, wait. If he'd said, hang on, wait. 
this is my point too. It's like if if Hodorowski had said, "Oh, I murdered Frank Herbert," you wouldn't be saying this, or would you? No, I don't think I would. And, and actually, to be fair, I think I've heard comedians like maybe Bill Burr. Actually, I've heard Bill Burr. I've heard uh, Louis C.K. make uh, do riffs on on weird rape scenarios that they like almost accidentally been involved with it were funny because of the way they presented it but the way he talked about it as this positive analogy you know how you rape a bride as if that's a thing he's not that's not an analogy that's but did that's he really like, do that or you is know he just how you rape a bride that's if what you shoot a dog you aim for the head like if he'd said that then it's like... that's what people do though <laughs> if you have to shoot a rabbit dog you aim at the head and then what he was saying he... is you know how you rape a bride I mean, what the fuck? I just think if I, you're I just found that so disturbing attitude. <sighs> really? Uh, I'm the only one. I'm it, it took me out of the movie. It took me out of like enjoying enjoying this weird creative artist who was talking about this bizarre this bizarre like crusade in his life. I'm like, this guy is nuts. I love him though. He's nuts. Boo! Everything else is now wiped away. Well, no, not everything is wiped away, but it definitely. It ruins a lot. I mean, when you hear a guy make a, I mean, I'm a, I, you know what? Did that not affect you at all? Uh, it doesn't affect me the way like hearing an actual rape would affect. Like the Roman Polanski thing is something that actually happened. Oh no, you're absolutely right. I should not have made that analogy. That was a stupid thing to say. I, mean, I absolutely. That I thought. Oh, I see what he's saying. This will be the kind of thing that dumb people <laughs> will take offense at. Yeah, and I and I do take offense at it, but it it's not going to ruin the movie for me. But that part of the movie was like, oh, that is a dark. Oh. It is, but it's also evocative. Maybe in not not a, not a way that that you find uh, polite, but he is referring to a book that he. And it's possible it's lost in translation. It's possible that there's some sort of like humor or dark humor I'm not getting. I'm funny. willing to admit that, but as I'm sitting there watching the movie and I see that thing crop up, I'm like, oh my god, bleh. But okay, he's making a, an analogy and not like trying to make you laugh. Like he's just going, I don't know. I don't think he thought about it. <laughs> All right, I think you're maybe probably, own, I think you're probably right. Worst thing you could say it's like he didn't go. I'm going to turn viewers of the documentary into rapists like i think he was just oh no obviously not it's it's you know, it's the um it's, the the, it's not that again it's not that i don't think he's doing that it's the cavalier attitude about something and, <laughs> and he's from a different generation but i think he's cavalier he's about something crazy. that i take seriously and yeah he's, he's not making a joke you're right but it's cavalier i guess but i mean a lot of like you you vote Bill Burr and like Louis C.K. Like a lot of really talented people. I don't. But I think they have a take on it that they're absolute that they're actually making, and they're actually making. They have a point of view. For him, again, I think that I think what I just struck on is that he's just cavalier. It's like you know to rape the bride. It, it seems weird. It just seems weird to me. Uh... I don't think it, it's. I'm telling you, Kelly, it doesn't ruin the movie for me, but it makes me. It, it gave me pause. And I don't think, think of Peter Jackson and like, oh, he raped Tolkien, but with love. Okay, so are there any uh, <laughs> listeners who wrote in this week? Yeah, there's a few. Maybe they'll talk about it, and I'll be. Uh, I think I'm the only. I, I think you're right. I think that that people. I, I don't. I wouldn't call myself dumb, but I, I think that I. I kind of. I. I tend to get hooked on things like that. Yeah, and I tend to. 
go, oh, there's something you don't hear every day. There's fresh use of language, and then I, I maybe like it more than I should. But I'm always like, I'm always a little suspicious. You know how I feel about mouth sounds being vilified. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it should be said on a. It, it just seems like in my lifetime, the left has gotten more sensory, censorious about things, and I think it's a disturbing trend. I think it coarsens. I, you know, I wonder if some people will read that into Fifty Shades too. That all that contract stuff is is political correctness, sort of getting consent. Oh, uh, as part of, as part of the left. It's weird too, because it's if that's the if that's part of the fantasy trappings of E.L. James, it's kind of a strange one because it's a very sterile. But I, also, I wonder if it's part of what you're talking about, a part of the sort of le- the leftist sort of. We we have to everything has to be codified, everything has to be consensual, and now we're gonna actually write it all down. Well and he has this thing where it's like you can't drink ever, like or smoke. Like these are like laws. But he never really enforces any of that because she's having fifteen cosmos, he's like, I'll overlook it. Right. So he has sex sore all the time on the point room. Seems like a uh but anyway, what do we have from the listeners as far as uh, Yodorowsky? How do you say it? Jodorowsky? Yodorowsky's? I think it's Yodorowsky's Dune. Right, Yodorowsky's Dune. Ben Halliburton writes, Hey, Dingus and Kelly, finally you guys pick a movie for the club that I've seen recently enough that I don't need to plan to rewatch it and then fail to do so. I'm so glad that you've both seen Yodorowsky's Dune now. Partway through watching Yodorowsky's Dune myself, it occurred to me that I shouldn't be enjoying it. Frank Herbert's Dune was my most beloved book from ages 12 until 24, and here was a documentary about a bunch of guys who'd never been, who'd never even read it, making it into the kind of psychedelic science fiction that I've long disdained as an advocate of the genre. It's not that many, though. Science fiction's kind of a desert, film-wise. <laughs> Gotta take, it's kind of like Fifty Shades. Take what you get. There's like the thing and alien. Anyway, but you know, I didn't care. I still don't care. Yodorowsky's enthusiasm is so infectious that I could ignore the betrayals of his movie adaptation and almost even his unfortunate allusion to rape that one time. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? I knew I was going to be in the minority, and I'll I'll take it. No, but he he just calls it an unfortunate unfortunate illusion. That's fine. I think it's the worst thing you could say. Like that's apparently like if everyone's snagging on it but me, then probably it is unfortunate. Like the audience, the majority has spoken. That if, if it's getting in the way of his point, then maybe it is the wrong one. But to me, it seemed like, oh, okay, well, now it makes me want to see the movie. Because <laughs> the movie's got like rapes and executions on it, kind of, doesn't it? And like Paul's a guy who takes another wife. Never mind, he didn't read it. To appreciate the immense creative power that went into a movie that never even was, and how their creative power ended up spilling into other movies instead and virtually causing its own subgenre movement. It makes me feel like most, if not all, documentaries about movies should be about failed projects in order that one's feelings about the movie itself not get in the way. Other notable characters include Amanda Lear, the only person in the documentary who'd actually read Dune, and Yodorowsky's son, Brontus, who was basically tortured for two years to realize his father's vision and has such a flat affect about it. Uh, yeah, he did seem traumatized, but you know, uh, what about the name Brontus? I know it's almost Bronte. Yeah. Did you know that Tolkien has a grandson who's like traumatized? Why? Being Tolkien's grandson, like Lord of the Rings trauma. Like, oh, good lord, get over that. Anyway, we should go see him. 
I'm sure more will come to me after I've sent this email, but whatever. The documentary is so full of characters in life, it would be impossible to list every pleasing moment. I'm really excited to hear both your comments on it. Thanks again for a movie podcast that's kept me entertained for half a decade. Oh, wow, thanks for saying that. That's awesome. People are so nice to us. I feel like I should give a better value. Just like Jamie Dornan should have. Peter Haynes writes, Yoda's Dune. Good choice, Kelly Wan. Twitter account not found, or is it? I can't wait to hear you guys deconstruct this film for my listening pleasure and just want to chime in with a few observations in convenient bullet point format. One, what the fuck with the brutal trading regimen Bronis was put through? It was the 70s. <laughs> See, that's the thing. You know what? This actually is a point in your favor that I'm thinking about it in because it's like the rape of the bride thing. Like I'm saying, it's not talking about a real bride, but it's like he does torture his son, so maybe... There is a little evidence that he does practice what he preaches. But imagine, imagine. I, I don't know that I wouldn't trade a couple years at that kid's age uh, of martial arts training for being excellent at martial arts at my age now. Yeah, but you called after child abuse for Jaden Smith on Will's part. So, like, where do you, would you put? This? All right, fair enough. I think that's. Uh, I think that that's a slightly different thing. Uh, but yeah, all right, I'd I'd like be willing to, see, to entertain what you're talking about. I'd rather see Yaden Smith tortured more. Uh, I would not even say that about anybody. How dare you? What? Um, you got to torture the kid if you're going to get the son, Dingus. All right. But all I'm saying is that I, you know, there there are times when I wish my parents would have forced me to take piano uh, piano lessons intensively as a child or any anything intensively. Um, so that I would be excellent at it now. I don't know. I was, I was like indifferently encouraged about writing, but it just kind of did it. Oh, that's true. And you're excellent at it now. So that's a good point. Wow. Um, the jury's not in on that. No, the, the jury is definitely in on that. But I'm talking about like the, these sort of physical, these physical pursuits. Like, yeah. Like, like all of those things. I mean, actually, yeah. Uh, his, like- his his guy who trained him like talked about all the foot fist arts and all the things that he taught him and forced him to do and I don't know what the actual regimen was or if that guy is even more than a kook but the idea if my parents would have sent me to martial arts school all day every day years for years uh, you know I might have hated it at the time but coming out of it and being excellent at that I mean how awesome would that be yeah and it's like the kind of thing where even as an adult or a kid, like you're only going to do it if you're made to. Like you're not going to choose it, right? Like I think the ten year old, if you go, all right, you can do whatever you want. You want to do martial arts, and then like he'll go to karate for like a week, right? All right, that's what I did. <laughs> you can only hope he's ended up with a basic life extending fitness and level of physical discipline. He looked like he'd not quite forgiven his old man for doing that to him. I got that too, but I got that they were they'd worked it out. Yeah. Yoda himself seemed regretful also. It's all in the edit, I guess. Right. I mean, because he... Yodorowsky was, like, young then. So it's like, he's still... And he's making crazy movies. He's a nut. He's a lovable nut. He had a kid. I don't know. The kid could have said no, couldn't he? <laughs> I agree. I, I just wish or they would have gotten Werner Herzog to play Yodorowsky in the movie. What? In the documentary? Dingus, yeah. stop that. No, I won't. The sheer energy of Yodo at 80 plus is impressive. I am drawn to his manic charisma and can see how people got suckered into the whole spiritual warrior thing. I thought the list of movies supposedly influenced by the visual design of Yodo's pre production material grew increasingly tenuous. Why do you keep saying Yoda? 
Yodo? How do you say it? Oh, Yodo, okay. Yodo. It sounds like you're saying Yoda every now and then. No, I just am not a good speaker. All right, that's fine. That's the irony of this podcast. (laughs) That's the irony. (laughs) Inconsistent writer, terrible speaker. Fifty Shades of Irony. Fifty Shades. Their intention is to produce a 14-hour movie and expect people to watch it was a nice late bomb drop. It wasn't the ideas that killed it, it was the length and the budget. Like, so much the money said no. It was going to be 14 hours, though. I heard somebody, I heard one of the producers or somebody say 20 hours. Yeah, but can they just got, all right, look, we'll give you 15 minutes. Like, did they negotiate? Like, was that? Because the way they made it sound like at the end was like, they just said no flat out, even though we showed them. But, but then, like, Soderbergh did, like, six hours of Che Guevara. I know. So everybody, every now and then, yeah. somebody gets away with it. Right. It doesn't It doesn't succeed, but they get away I don't know what $15 million was worth, then, to be honest. Like, yeah, that maybe know. was a fortune. But, anyway. And maybe he was just not in with the Robert Evans crowd. Uh, fair enough. Uh, anyway, there's rumors circulating that some wealthy nerd's going to bankroll the CGI version of the Yodo's Dune storyboard manual. Bring it on. See, they can do that now. Now everything's super cheaper. Yeah. And all, the, and all these guys are still alive, except for O'Bannon, uh, Giger, Orson Welles, Salvador Dali. Colton W. Westrate writes, Hey guys, long-time listener, one-time 3 by 3 submitter, and member of the Cool Name Club here. Thanks for your kind words. Colton T. Westrate. Wow. How do they do that? I don't know. As opposed to Christian Gray. No offense. <sighs> Christian's my middle name, so I'm allowed to say that. Mine too. <laughs> That's the best thing you ever said. A big, I'm a big fan of Dude. I forgot to ask you if you'd read the book, I guess, of Dune. I read of Dune? Them. Did you read them all? Did I read Dune all? and Dune Messiah. I ah, Dune Messiah's I, a good one. I'll yeah, it me. is, but I couldn't get through Children of Dune. That's the tough one. That is, that is the hurdle. It's a really tough one to get into. It's I read. Really I read. Hard to read. Yeah, I read Dune twice. I really loved it, and I yeah, went. To see it. I went to see it with my dad. I was so excited, and I really liked Dune Messiah too. But I could not do Children. Yeah, yeah that one's a tough one. And then, the, but then the fourth one, it gets kind of good again. Like what? Yeah, Leto, the kid. One of Paul's Paul's kids, like a sandworm in it, and it's like thousands of years later. <laughs> Duck in Idaho is the only one left. Like he's the first one to die. And one, uh, his name's Duck in Idaho. Duck in Idaho. <laughs> Like Gertie Halleck. Remember that guy? Yeah. Did Kynes? Am I saying these names wrong? Shit. I'm the fourth. Did you read Dune, the parody? <laughs> no. Did you play the board game? It's really good. No. I, rem- I remember Bart Mancuso was awesome. Bane Jessery. How do you say it? Yeah. And the Bane Tlolak. Remember the Golas? I think that's from the second one. Yeah. Shut up, Wand. <laughs> My wife heard about... Oh, wait. I'm a big fan of Dune, and it was actually Tom's series on Fidget. <laughs> Shut. I mean... Fidget was awesome. No, I know, but he didn't like that name. No, he hated that name. That's what I was snickering about. Not Tom. All right. About the Dune Wars Civ 4 mod that led me to QD3 in the first place. Oh. And I want to play it. Oh, I remember him writing about that. That, that's, <laughs> that is good. That's a good, uh, that's a good reference. I'm supposed to be Tom versus Kelly with him. I'm going to do it. Oh, man. Inspired me. I know. My wife heard about Yodorowski's Dune a few months ago, but since you couldn't rent it on Amazon, I hadn't gotten around to it until the podcast motivated me to buy and watch it tonight. I'm still recovering, but I managed to get my jaw off the floor at least. This is the part where bigger movie buffs and better writers than me would have something insightful to say. (laughs) 
little does he know what we just talked about. Yeah, seriously. To say that I would listen to and think, wow, that person knows a lot more about movies and writing than I do. And rave. But honestly, with the movie, it isn't even fair. I am essentially left with nothing to say other than, what the fuck was that, and why did I love it? It was simply fascinating. I'll be processing it for a while. Best wishes to y'all. Looking forward to Tom returning, but you guys are doing great. Fear's the mind killer, white man. <laughs> uh... Paul Weimer writes, Hi guys, didn't get the disc in time to watch Duel the week you wanted to discuss it, but now I find Oh, Fear is the Mind Killer, that's great. I wanted to talk about Fear when we were talking about Fifty Shades, because there's a fear thing in that. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Wait, what's the fear thing in Fifty Shades? I just wanted to ask questions about whether fear was part of it, and he talks about whether it hurts or not. uh, If you have a safe word, never mind. Anyway, go ahead. I found the driving scenes. I'm reading a thing about Duel now another four-letter movie title. I found the driving with three of the same letters. Driving scenes between the car and the truck, gripping and exciting. That's Paul Weimer's review of Duel. I found the driving scenes exciting. Not sure about ordering ketchup on a Swiss cheese sandwich, though. (laughs) You know what? That applies to every movie we talked about this week. Yeah, I agree. Chris Markardson writes, Hey guys, I love this film. It's fascinating to listen to Yodorowsky talk about the making of Dune and just the making of a movie. I felt like this was my one good movie pick for the quarter to three mini penny movie. You've done fine. Duel uh, was awesome. You, murder by chose, you got me to see Duel, dude, for the uh, first time. True. I'm on a hot streak. Yeah, shut up. You did, right. You're doing fine. Shut up's probably pretty good advice. I loved it to me uh, when he got angry holding up the money and calling it shit yeah that's what he, he kind of oh yeah yeah he like yeah yeah I like that he gets all fired up again like yeah. you do um, I, I never do I'm pretty even keeled tonight talking about Jamie Durnham's no I was too bored to talk about it saying it has nothing inside and then saying that movies have heart mind power and ambition that he wanted to do something like that to me this was a really powerful film and i'm really glad i got to watch it thanks for choosing it kelly chris markinson's the sweetheart isn't he but the other great moment yeah he really is chris is great he makes you look like a dick that's how nice he is but that's not hard to do it's easy to make me look like a dick hard dick hard yeah go on what were you gonna say um Uh, i loved when he talks about going to see um uh, Lynch's Dune and just getting increasingly oh, yeah. excited because it's terrible. Yeah, he's bummed about going till he sees it. <laughs> and, and then he, he goes, it, the thing he says that I love is, it's a human reaction, no? And yeah. it's so honest. It's just like, I hated it and it made me happy because it was bad. Uh, and he says, that's human, isn't it? And I love that because it totally is. We totally yeah. want to see people fail when, they're, when they've taken something from us. And I loved that that he said it's a human reaction no it's a beautiful thing that he says and it's just it just shows this level of raw honesty that this filmmaker this artist whatever you want to call him has oh yeah Uh, i love yeah it's just that's such a pleasurable line yeah i love it yeah yeah. like gore vidal and truman capote fucking snipping at each other right like that right and um yeah. Man, a lot of people saw this. Did it, we have other listeners? Yeah, we got one more. Justin D. Hurd writes. Oh, this is so great. I love that so many people saw yeah, this. Yeah, the I knew they would. I had a good feeling. Uh, greetings, gentlemen. I love how wonderfully off the wall this man is from having his kids star and training him to be and live as Paul Atreides. 
to how everything just seemed to click for this man. Damn, I want more than anything for someone to make this Dune a reality. I understand that this is in no way possible since some key figures have passed on, but damn, it's amazing how many of these images have infected science fiction cinema over the decades. My favorite moment is this story about Mick Jagger and how the rock legend just materialized at a party. While I may not like all of Jodorowsky's movies, this man is my hero just from watching this movie. On a side note, make sure to watch the first 40 minutes of Holy Mountain, redubbed with Blacklight, Burns's Lotus Island alternate soundtrack. What? We have the best listeners. God damn it. Uh, who's that? Just, that's Justin. Just yeah. yeah, he also just told me on Twitter that there's a, there's a, a later version of 12 Angry Men. Um, I forget who he says is in it, but it's uh, included on the Criterion edition of that. And I'd never even heard of it. Because um, they made a 12 Angry Men joke. If you can imagine, that would be a real knee slapper on Twitter. Uh, and he said, oh, you, have you heard about the other version of that? And I can't wait to see that. Wait, the other version of 12 Angry Men? There's a, there's a later version where somebody else plays the Harry Fonda part for like an hour on oh, the so Criterion. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Wait, what would you call him? Harry Fonda. <laughs> Harry Fonda, yes, Harry Fonda. Um, what else did uh, Justin say? Justin said something else that reminded me of something. Uh, okay. I know I lost a thought earlier too, and then it sounds like we're not—we can't think of anything to say. But it's just us trying to remember something. We're no, do. Justin said something that triggered, but I can't remember it now. Sorry, because uh, I just thought of the twelve angry men thing. Uh, I think it was about talking about the money. Mm. Fuck, whatever one. On a side note, make sure to watch uh, Holy Mountain. And if somebody may love this movie, you can find it. And then he listened. What did you say right before Holy Mountain? Me or Justin D. Hurt? Justin. What did Justin say right before Holy Mountain? Uh, my favorite moments about Mick Jagger and how the Rock Legends. Oh. Was, was it Mick Jagger or David Bowie? It's Mick, Mick Jagger. Jagger. Mick Jagger is going to be Fade Rotha. Oh, right. Yeah. David right. Bowie would have been a cool Fade Rotha, though. Right. I like your casting, actually, a little better. He would have been less affected. I never saw the man who fell to Earth, though. That Nicholas Rogue. No, I didn't either. He plays an alien. Yeah. That title always uh, put me off, as opposed to Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> which made you go crazy about seeing Ooh. it. Oh, Fifty. Oh, that's pretty rough. Uh, so, do we have any more listeners who wrote in? No, that's all. All right. I appreciate all you guys writing in. Kelly Wan yeah, does too. Loved it. Uh, for next week for the mini movie club <laughs> of Palooza, um, please Let's... write in. What? You're going to say what the Fifty Shades, your well, pick. Yeah, my pick for Fifty Shades. This, this is a movie I love. I haven't seen it in quite, like, maybe two or three years. Um, and this is the movie Secretary. Um, ah, that's a good, obvious. Choice. I was kind of back and forth between this and another movie about um, emotional slash sectional sexual dysfunction um and one of the things that i railed about when we talked about 50 shades is that it, it being kinky is not necessarily dysfunction uh, in fact in most times it is not so uh what i would like us to do is watch secretary and think about the things that secretary might get right that 50 shades did not or just ev evaluate how you feel about secretary on its own because uh, I remember really loving that movie, and I'm a huge uh, James Spader fan. Um, uh, not to mention, not to mention uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. So please see uh, uh, Secretary. Um, 
if you have some ideas about this, as a bunch of people did this week, please write in at 3x3 at quarter to three dot com uh, and give us some of your thoughts on it. We love when you do that. It really, really adds to the podcast. And for uh, next week, the main movie we are going to see is a movie we could have seen this week. The number two movie of the week, and I've I'm really excited to see it because uh, we have a friend. Uh, one of our friends comes over. Uh, he's from. He's a. He's a dude who lives here. He, he moved here from Canada um, many years ago. But uh, but he he went to see it, and he you know we don't let people talk much about the movies they see if we haven't seen them. But he just said, "Look, I left this movie. I was beaming. I really loved it. It really excited me. I think it's great." Um, I haven't heard anything else about it. I haven't seen any of the trailers, but it's the movie Kingsman. So it's the second uh, second grossing movie this week. There's nothing else coming out that's really worth even bothering. So uh, so I would really like to go see Kingsman this week. Uh, so I thought we could talk about it. Good choice. I like both your choices. All right, cool. Your choices. I haven't heard anything bad about it. Uh, I haven't heard a thing about it other than what what my friend Paul said, and that was just that um, uh, he loved it so much that he left the theater beaming. And I know exactly what that's like when you know uh, I I tend to do I I it's weird when I do that with him. I'm I'm weird about that. Like uh, this is this is a weird instance. Uh, I went to see uh, the movie Punch Drunk Love with three other people. And I left that movie feeling like I was walking on a cloud. And then the other people are like, uh, what is wrong with you? Uh, for some reason, Punch Drunk Love just infused me with energy. So I, I kind of get that. I have no idea what Kingsman is, uh, other than it looks like kicky and punchy. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it. So join us next week for our main movie, which is Kingsman. And uh, send in something about uh, Secretary if you can see it this week. Or even if you can. Uh, my name is uh, Christian Morosky. <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. Uh, I have been joined here as I am joined here every year by Kelly Wand. I'm blushing. I must be the color of the Communist Manifesto. It's the old James wrote. <laughs> la la la. What about Body Heat, Dingus? Is that an erotic movie? Nine and a half weeks. Pretty dancing. Havana Nights. Uh, you know, for the opening song, I was very close to choosing my favorite song from Nine and a Half Weeks, uh, which is You Can Leave Your Hat On. Uh, or the or the John Taylor song at the beginning of the movie. But, but I love You Can Leave Your Hat On. That's where she has the handcuffs on the magic wand. But then they don't use them. I mean, I was all deer headlights, pigeon snake, and he knew exactly what he was doing to me. Laters, baby. Ew. (laughs) I don't think he said it right. You did, but he didn't.